Let's get together, talk about the movies that we saw this week. We'll have discussions, talk film news, we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks. Sometimes we'll have a guest or two, sometimes it's just the two of us. Let's crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us. Mike and Mike go to the movies. Mike and Mike go to the movies. Yeah! You have chosen wise. We're going to be a mighty podcast, so enemies beware. It's Mike and Mike go to the movies. I'm Mike Smith. Joining me, as always, is a man who has never seen a King of Beasts with quite so little hair. <laughs> Mike DeCrescio. How are you doing today, Mike? I am doing well. Is that also a reference to me not having a beard anymore? Uh, it is now, now that you've made it that. Uh, Good job. Proud of you. <laughs> works on so many levels. Yes. Uh, anyway. How are you, Mike? I, I am doing good, man. I'm exhausted. Uh, I just had a, a very long weekend over at, uh, in California uh, at the 25th anniversary show of Warp Tour, uh, which I'll talk about a little bit more in discussions, but it was a, it was a wild weekend, man. Crazy I'm times. Sure. Crazy times. Uh, all the theme songs you're going to hear in uh, this week's episode of Mike and Mike Go to the Movies uh, were created by Kyle Cullen, and our logo is designed by Jacob Honeycutt, or at Jacob Honey on Twitter. Uh, if you ever want to contact us and respond to something we did on the show, uh, you can email us over at Mike and Mike Go to the Movies at gmail.com. And I might as well note, this is the first episode of Mike and Mike Go to the Movies that does not feature a special guest. It's just us, Mike. Wow. Do you think we can sustain an entire podcast by ourselves? <laughs> I think this, much, this might be a much more reasonable length episode That's... than... <laughs> <laughs> is it also the first single review episode? I feel like we've done a lot of doubles lately. We've done a couple of doubles lately, but we've done a few singles here and there. But uh, yeah, okay. I, I think this one, let's try to keep it under a tight 90. That's the All right. <laughs> that's the cold. 90 minutes in and out. We'll see what happens. Today, we're actually going to start with some film news, which is a segment we kind of discontinued from our previous podcast. But every once in a while, there's news that is big enough where we feel like yeah, we should probably mention it at least. And since San Diego Comic-Con happened this past weekend... We feel like we got to talk about all the upcoming Marvel stuff, so uh, yeah. <laughs> that's definitely uh, something we want to discuss. So we'll be doing that in the film news segment first. After that, we'll move on into some discussions where we each discuss uh, whatever piece of media we've been consuming lately, and then we'll launch into our feature review of Disney's latest live-action remake, The Lion King. Now, Mike, what was your hype level going into this new Lion King? Uh, tepid at best. <laughs> Let's go with that. I, no, that's pretty strong. Yeah, that's actually a perfect description for it uh, because <laughs> it's basically how I felt. I was like, you know, it'll be kind of cool to see some of these actors playing some of these roles uh, for sure. But, you know, these live-action Disney remakes, they just feel like with each successive one, they feel more creatively bankrupt. Uh, <laughs> and, and, this, and this one just it feels especially um, galling in that regard. But uh, yeah. we'll talk about The Lion King a whole lot later on in the episode. Right now, let's get into some film news. some film news here on Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. Now, Mike, I was off the grid this weekend. Uh, like I said, I was over at uh, Warp Tour in California, and uh, I, I had access to the internet, but obviously I wasn't really paying attention to what was going on on Twitter. Uh, right. So I believe I was in the middle of watching Simple Plan perform, and then <laughs> and then you texted me saying uh, saying something about Blade, and I was like, what? Blade? Like, what year is it? 
<laughs> what, year, what year is this? I'm watching Simple Plan. You text me about a Blade movie? What is going on? But yeah, so the, the Marvel Comic-Con panel happened this past weekend. San Diego Comic-Con as a whole, I guess, happened this past weekend. It wasn't just the Marvel panel. <laughs> I mean, it might as well have been. It might as well have been that. I mean, I was I was kind of following it for a few days before I left, and I saw like the Top Gun 2 trailer dropped, which was pretty cool. The uh, trailer for Jay and Silent Bob Reboots came out, which uh, I'm actually pretty excited about. And, uh, I mean, you were telling me the Witcher trailer also came out, which you're, uh, which you're hyped for, right? I'm hearing stories about witches. Is it true what they say? Elves are the original sorcerers of the continent. When humans and monsters arrived, elves taught the humans how to turn chaos into magic. And then the humans slaughtered them. Yeah, yeah. They finally, we've been hearing uh, whispers about it. It's, I think it's supposed to come out at the end of the year. It's, it's. I feel bad that it's being pitched and they're kind of like going this way, uh-huh. uh, where it's like the Game of Thrones replacement, quote unquote. And, well, okay, Netflix isn't saying that, but, like, every other interview I saw with them, like, every person was like, well, how do you feel about filling the shoes of Game of Thrones? <laughs> and they were just all like, please don't say that. Right. <laughs> that sets the expectation way too high, I think. <laughs> but also, like, way too low for the way that ha- that ended. <laughs> I guess. Uh, but, yeah, I'm excited that the teaser trailer dropped. Uh, it kind of uh, quelled some, some uh, worries people had about, like, the way... Henry Cavill was going to look. Uh, they put out, like, their first costume test, like, a couple months ago or, or yeah. last year or something, and people freaked out. But also, it, it literally was the first pass at the costume. So uh, the trailer looked really cool. It seems like they're going to be sticking to the books and stuff, so I'm excited. Cool. Uh, yeah, that's The Witcher. But, uh, of course, the big news coming out of Comic-Con was Marvel's big panel. And they don't do these panels every year anymore. They, they used to be, like, an annual event. Marvel right. would do a panel at Comic-Con. Now... Uh, it's more like every other year. Sometimes they do something at uh, D23 instead, which is Disney's uh, own like conference. Uh, so they sometimes switch off here and there. Uh, but anyway, Kevin Feige basically unveiled the entire slate of Phase 4 movies and TV shows uh, over the next two years. Which is crazy to think about. Like Phase 4, it sounds like it's only 2020 and 2021. Uh, yeah. Which is, like, in the past, phases have lasted like five or six years. And now it's two years but we're getting so much shit in that in that two yeah. year span. It's kind of insane. Uh, so first off, Black Widow, man. I mean, obviously uh, we knew about this. Uh, we knew this was already filming, and we kind of all collectively assumed this was the movie that's coming out in May 2020. But now we actually know. It's confirmed. Black Widow is uh, is going to be around. Scarlett Johansson's in the movie, and it will be set after Civil War. Uh, yeah, which I think is interesting. I, I was worried that this movie could go in two two directions, both of which would have been. Bad, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> Go it could, on. It could have taken place after Endgame and created some kind of wild, crazy plot in order to bring Black Widow back from the dead. Right. Uh, and there's a, I think, I'm sure there's a way you could do that compellingly and fun and interesting, but I think that pro- it would probably rob the uh, the power of Black Widow's death from Endgame. You know what I mean? Like just, yes. It would lessen that moment, in my estimation. Uh, the other direction this could have gone is just a straight-up origin story for Black Widow. Like, like you know, go back to her roots, like, you know, before she was discovered by S.H.I.E.L.D. and all that kind of stuff. And again, right. I, I don't want to see, like, prequel origin stories. Like, I feel like we've had enough of those over the past few years, especially, like, after Solo. It's like, what's even the point of these anymore? Like, what, what are we doing Yeah, <laughs> with, with that kind of stuff? Uh, it's funny to be having to talk about this after last episode where I said I was kind of over <laughs> Marvel stuff. Yeah. But I definitely think uh, we'll get to it later, but I definitely had that feeling... 
I know that's true, basically. I, that feeling is true for me, that I'm kind of over this stuff. We'll get to it at the end, I guess. <laughs> but that said, uh, I think Black Widow could be really cool. I think uh, I'm putting money down on... Because they did mention, like, confirm that it's going to talk about... It's going to show Budapest, like, whatever that is. Right. Uh, so, because I was very confused when I saw that it's happening after uh, Civil War, but also going to feature Budapest. I was like, that doesn't make sense. But I'm putting money down on, like, a James Bond-style cold open. Uh, okay. That's going to be Budapest, and then, you know, title credits, whatever stuff, and then the movie. So I, I agree with you, though, that, that it's going to be, it, it it has to be this kind of, like, midpoint movie thing. It can't be, you, you can't take away that, the emotional punch of Endgame, that massive, that incredible moment where her, Black Widow and Hawkeye are fighting to who decide who dies, basically, right. and then LLJK, um, so... And they know what they're doing, I think, now. Feige knows what he's doing. Now that Perlmutter's gone, it's it's going to be pretty dope, I think. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pretty, like, just the, it was a very encouraging um, panel all around, I think, just in terms of the stuff they were announcing. Like, it's just, like, everything in there is something I want to see. And so it's like, all right, let's, like, you have my attention. Let's let's go for this. So, yeah, <laughs> Black Widow being set after Civil War, I think, is a smart move. It's like, in between these movies, Black Widow just had this, like, little side adventure going on separate from everyone else or something. But uh, it will feature uh, Taskmaster, Taskmaster as the villain, um, also. Ooh. Uh, which is pretty cool. He was in the uh, the Spider-Man PS4 game, if people are familiar with that. Uh, That's but, where I was introduced to him, actually. <laughs> yeah, uh, there you go. So he's going to be the villain of this movie, and uh, they showed a clip from the movie at San Diego Comic-Con as well. I didn't read what happened in the clip, but I know they did show something there, too. Uh, and then after the Black Widow stuff, uh, they unveiled the cast of The Eternals, which is coming out in November 2020, uh, and that officially includes Angelina Jolie, Richard Madden, Kumail Nanjiani, uh, Brian Tyree Henry, and Salma Hayek, among some others. Uh, and most of these were already, like, rumored names to be around the Eternals. Like, people like, basically knew these were going to be in the movie. But just, it's nuts to have, like, this big epic space opera that's going to star Angelina Jolie and Camille and Gianni, you know? Like, it's just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's pretty funny. Uh, some of the, Just in general with the panel, some of this stuff was treated as, like, a huge reveal. But it's stuff we definitely already knew, which yes. is weird in general. But I just I just wanted to mention, I think David Harbour is also going to be in Black Widow, right? He yes, was he one is. of the cast members and i happened to watch for some reason one of those like wired interviews like the autocomplete interview thing they do on wire if you've ever seen those on youtube uh where they just ask people questions that are like the autofill on google like when you type in their name like okay. one of the top questions and uh it, it was david harbour about stranger things sorry this little long long walk for a stupid joke um but one of the questions was is david, david harbour in a marvel movie and he said i've been asked to say that i don't know uh, was his answer to that which is pretty funny and then like the next day <laughs> it happened to be that i watched it then the next day yeah. it was a marvel panel and he was there uh, that's pretty uh, so funny. that's exciting yeah that's cool actually david harbour's playing uh, red guardian who in the comics was um, black widow's ex-husband uh who kind Ooh. of who is sort of the captain america of russia um, <laughs> that's fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I'm, I'm curious how far in that direction they're going to take that character uh, in this movie too. But yeah, so the cast of Eternals, uh, again, mostly names we already knew, but it's, like, it's the first like official announcement from Marvel. I mean, it's, right. it's actually, it's very unusual for them to be announcing this stuff this late in the game. This movie comes out next year. And, you know, in, in the past, like before, I think it was like 2015 or something, uh, Marvel announced like 10 movies over the next like five years or something like that right it was like yeah we knew through through 2020 I think by then yeah we knew we knew or everything now. pretty much all the way through Endgame I think is what we is yeah. what we knew 
Um, and then after Endgame and after Sp- like it was just radio silence. Like so, we knew like Black Widow was already filming, and we knew the Eternals was like, in pre-production, but we didn't know like for sure those were the definite movies that were coming out in 2020 or that kind of thing. Like Marvel was saying nothing about them. Uh, yeah. So now this is kind of their first official acknowledgement that yes, these movies exist and they're coming out next year. Uh, so Black Widow and the Eternals are the big movies for 2020. The stuff that's really exciting to me though is the stuff that's coming in 2021. Uh, which are the three movies that they have announced for that. Uh, the first of which is uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which I am so glad that that is the title of that movie. Like, it just... <laughs> like, yeah. I, th- I-, I miss the and the uh, construction right. of titles in movies, you know? It-, it feels more like an Indiana Jones type adventure or whatever, but uh, mm-hmm. so sh- sh- it's called Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. They're not even just calling it Shang-Chi as, like, the first Shang-Chi movie. They're going all out with, like, and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I don't know. I like that. Yeah, uh, no, it sounds awesome. Yeah, uh, and they uh, they officially cast somebody as Shang-Chi, uh, Simu Liu, uh, who's a basically unknown actor. I believe he's Canadian, but a uh, pretty skilled martial artist from what I understand. And so uh, that's pretty cool, an unknown kind of making his name in a Marvel movie. Apparently the way he he got that role was pretty wild. Uh, he, he like, her, like the story came out that Marvel was developing a Shang-Chi movie. And I think he, like, t- quote tweeted the, the article, tagged Marvel and Kevin Feige or whatever, and he was like, hey, talk to me, let's do it. And yeah. Suddenly, he's fucking Shang-Chi. That's insane. <laughs> it's crazy right. that that happened. Uh, and The Legend of the Ten Rings, I mean, that's a huge uh, thing of the comics. Mandarin is uh, the Ten Rings. And th- there's, like, hints right. of that in the Iron Man movies. Um, like, I-, I believe the organization that um, captures Tony in the first Iron Man movie is the Ten Rings terrorist organization or something. But, you know, in Iron, Man, Iron Man 3 has, like, the quote-unquote Mandarin that turns out to be Ben Kingsley. Yeah. Right? Uh, and now they're actually going to have the official, like, real comics Mandarin uh uh, and he's played by Tony Lung, who is awesome. So I'm pretty excited about that, too. Of course, Tony Lung was in Hard Boiled and uh, In the Mood for Love and a bunch of great great Hong Kong movies. But yeah, I think it's cool. I think it's a little weird that they're doing the Mandarin now, um, as opposed because he's basically an Iron Man villain. And so now that Iron right. Man is officially dead, <laughs> it's, time, <laughs> it's time to bring in the Mandarin. But if there's somebody who like is a good, it's a good fit for, I think it's against the Shang-Chi type thing, I think could work. Yeah. Um, and apparently Aquafina is also in the movie, too. So there's that as well. There's, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that is uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, uh, which uh, we will be pretty cool, I think. And then after that, another great title. Uh, probably my favorite title out of all these, actually, is uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That How- sounds like a 1950s movie starring Christopher Lee. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. That that is perfect. Uh, I love that title. Uh, I think it's awesome. And uh, yeah, this is the set, the new Doctor Strange movie. Uh, will also be directed by Scott Derrickson, like the first one. And uh, the thing about Scott Derrickson, I mean, he's mostly a horror director. He directed uh, Sinister, which was a big hit back in like 2012, right. which was a movie I really like. Uh, and it sounds like that's the direction they're going to bring this Doctor Strange movie into. They're going to. I think you texted me saying they're going to make it the most quote unquote scary Marvel film. Uh, yeah, they're billing it as the first horror movie in the MCU. And if, if anybody can do that, I think that's Scott Derrickson. So if they can actually pull that off and really... Because, I mean, if you read a lot of those Doctor Strange comics, there's a really big horror element to them. You know, just that weird cosmic shit that he deals yeah. with on a daily basis. Um, so for that reason, I, th- I, I am pretty psyched about this movie. And it will also feature uh, Elizabeth Olsen as Scarlet Witch, kind of reprising her role as a, a co-lead in the movie, too. Yeah. Uh, which I think One of really my friends called her shot on on what, what, what she thinks... Um, this movie's gonna be yeah uh, because they uh, talked about we're skipping over the the Disney Plus shows so far, which I assume you're gonna do at the end. Or yeah, later. I, yeah. After we mention all the movies, I'll go I'll go into the Disney Plus shows. Yeah, right. Uh, so that they talked about how like WandaVision is gonna directly lead into or be directly connected, or I think is the phrase they used or something yes. for 
Doctor Strange, and my friend called a shot that they're going to do, I believe it was the House of M story arc. Okay. Which, I don't, which uh, for people that might not know, I didn't know it, I had to look it up on Wikipedia, is when Scarlet Witch, like, shatters the multiverse uh, because she wants her family back, I think, or something along those lines. Right. And it's revealed who her father is. Which might tie into some of the stuff they got from Fox. <laughs> uh, yes, 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 yes. I guess are we not are we not saying who her father is due to potential spoilers? Or are we just, uh, are we just letting that? I fly? mean, <laughs> we, I mean, we were kind of already spoiled. Since, ah, fuck it, whatever. They think it, spoilers. I guess if you don't, if you don't want to hear it, sorry. <laughs> Let's give ahead thirty seconds. Yeah, it's Magneto in the comics, right? Um, <laughs> uh, which would be crazy. Be like a good way to introduce it. But they did specific. I don't know. They've lied to us before about Disney. That's true. You know, they said it was the title for Avengers Four wasn't in <laughs> Infinity War, um, and then it was. But, yes, and it was. But Feige said like, oh, we haven't. We don't have time. Like, we'll get to mutants later or something like that. So who knows. Yeah, who knows? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, one of the things that was notably absent from this panel was that uh, yeah, there's no new, no real news about X Men or Fantastic Four now that Marvel has them, which I wasn't really expecting. If they were only going to announce no. the next two years of things, like I feel like they're going to wait like at least a little, like at least four or five years before they really start diving into that stuff. And even then, I think they'll do Fantastic Four first before they get into X Men. Um, yeah, or at least as a standalone, I could see them like. Putting some of that, like putting Magneto in a movie, or oh yeah, kind of slowly, like the, slowly accumulating mutants over time, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I could see That'd something cool. like that. That would be cool. Yeah, and we'll talk about some more of those Disney Plus shows in a second. But uh, then I wanted to talk about the movie I'm most excited for uh, out of this whole out of this whole group, and that is uh, Thor Four. Thor: Love and Thunder is Fuck the name, yes. of it, which is a great title, also. Just uh, just really great titles across the board for. <laughs> Yeah, and logos, like, all of it was beautiful. Yeah, it was really, really cool. So, uh, A, I mean, the news kind of broke this week, actually, that uh, Taika Waititi will be back to direct Thor 4, um, which is awesome. And uh, I will say, I I kind of, I don't want to say I called Thor 4 that it was going to be happening, but I think a lot of people were assuming that uh, since Iron Man and Captain America were ending, that Thor would also be ending, like, he wouldn't have any more movies. Right. Right. and because of the symmetry or whatever, but I was thinking to myself, like, man, Hemsworth seems like he's really into the movies right now. I don't think he wants to stop. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think, you know, especially now that, like, the character was just reinvented with Ragnarok, like, two years ago, like, I don't think they want to let that go just yet. Uh, so the news that Thor 4 was coming and that Takeaway TT was back to direct was very exciting. By the way, the trailer for Takeaway TT's new movie just dropped today. Uh, which is called Jojo Rabbit, and it looks amazing. Oh, snap. Uh, in which Takeo Waititi plays an imaginary friend version of Adolf Hitler. Going to be crazy. Yeah, uh, I heard about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, he's back as director for Thor 4, and uh, I think almost even bigger news, Natalie Portman is coming back for this movie, uh, returning as Jane Foster, and in this movie she will become Thor, like in the recent comics. Yeah, the uh, mighty Thor. The mighty I think Thor is the yes. arc. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I've read a lot of those uh, those comics with the female Thor, and uh, they're really really good. Uh, those are, that's really solid stuff. That's um, written by Jason Aaron, who's been writing the Thor comics for like ten years. I think he's actually ending his runs soon. Because uh, wow. they just had a big like a big event in the comics called the War of the Ten Realms that he was kind of spearheading, and that was like um, ending a lot of the arcs that were going on in his Thor comics. But I think there's a little bit more left. Anyway, so this is kind of based on some of that, but. Yeah, Natalie Portman back as Jane Foster, and this like shocked me. You texted me that, and that was like, you know, you texted me about Blade first, and I'll talk about Blade, I'll talk about Blade in a minute. But you texted me about that first, and then you were like, oh, and Natalie Portman's coming back as Jane Foster. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> because she is like very famously disliked these movies for yeah <laughs> for for a while. Uh, you know, she like it's, like she really hated her experience working on Thor: The Dark World uh, because she was really hoping to work with uh, Patty Jenkins. 
on that right. movie. And then when Patty Jenkins uh, ended up uh, not working on it anymore, quitting or fire, getting fired or whatever happened, uh, Natalie Portman kind of checked out of the whole series, and that's why she's not in Ragnarok. And that's why, I mean, when they had her in Endgame, like, even that was shocking. And that was, like, you know, old footage from Thor The Dark World. Like, I was, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was surprised about that. But, yeah, but I, I think the, uh, the appeal of working with Takeaway TTA... And B, the idea that she'll actually be like a superhero this time, I think that's what's more exciting this time around for her. Yeah. Um, I saw a funny uh, thing going around on Twitter. It was like, you know, one of those conversation things where it's like Natalie Portman's like, no way, I'll never be in another Thor movie. And then Taika Waititi's like, you can kiss Tessa Thompson. <laughs> and Natalie Portman's like, I'm in. <laughs> uh, Which is yeah. amazing. Which well, they confirmed that yes, Valkyrie will be the first uh, queer character in the MCU. Which is yes, dope. I was just about to mention that actually too, which is pretty cool. So yeah, and that's a good... out of all the characters like that's a a good first character for that to be i think yeah Uh, and also like that was it was meant to be in ragnarok a couple years ago they they had like a deleted scene or something that kind of hinted at that but then it was oh yeah right that was like a big thing and that was a kind of a controversy when that movie came out like that like marvel cut that scene for chinese audiences or whatever like i don't know exactly what happened but uh yeah so now that it's actually official and this with this movie i think that's kind of that's going to be kind of cool yeah. Uh, so we'll see how they do with that. But yeah, so that's the, those, that's the movie slate for the next uh, two years. Uh, two movies in 2020 and three movies in 2021. But I, I think what was also interesting about this panel was that they weren't just talking about the movies. They were talking about the Disney Plus shows. And I think the fact that they were talking about those shows in relation to these movies, like announcing them alongside these movies, shows that these shows are going to be like way more important than like your old Netflix Marvel shows or like Agents yeah. of S.H.I.E.L.D. or something like that. Uh, it seems like these are actually going to be like real entries in the mcu uh and mm-hmm. so all all the shows are stuff that we've already heard they're developing like n- none of them were like surprises they were just kind of like and this and then that's when this one's coming out and that's when this one's coming out so uh falcon and winter soldier is gonna be the first one uh and that's coming in like fall 2020 uh apparently daniel Brühl is coming back as baron zemo yeah um, that did that was the one that had the big surprise i think yes that was pretty cool and i think i think it's also confirmed that uh, emily van camp's gonna come back as sharon carter also um, so that'd be kind of cool because she's basically a nothing character in those movies so it might as well <laughs> flesh her out in this one uh, we'll see uh, but I think Daniel Brule coming back as Baron Zemo is actually pretty cool and he, he, he tweeted a picture of himself like, wearing like the classic Baron Zemo mask that he was not wearing in Civil War um, right. so that's kind of neat um, but yeah so that's going to be the first one and then there's WandaVision which like you said uh, leads directly into Doctor Strange uh, in the Multiverse of Madness uh, which I will always refer to by its full title um, <laughs> so I'm curious about that especially because it sounds like they're um modeling it sort of after the recent run of Vision Comics by Tom King, who uh, uh, created this run of comics, I think it's like a 12-issue arc, uh, in which Vision um, kind of creates like this fake family for himself, and things start to go horribly awry, and it's kind of sounded like, it's, it sort of sounds like, it sounds like this takes place after Avengers Endgame, and obviously Vision is dead. Um, yeah. But he's also a robot, so I, I it wouldn't surprise me if like Scarlet Witch is using like her magic trickery or whatever to try to build a new version of Vision, and that creates some horrifying side effects or something. So and it goes bad, and things go bad, and it leads into a multiverse of madness. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's uh, that sounds pretty cool. And then there's Loki, which uh, they confirmed will follow the version of the character that escaped with the Tesseract in Endgame. Right. Um, which again, it would be very difficult for it not to be that because Prime timeline loki is quite dead much like vision uh, <laughs> um but yeah so that's cool and then there's a what if they also threw what if in there uh which is going to be their animated show you know just kind of deal in like oh what if this happened instead like what i think one of them was like what if uh peggy carter got the captain america serum instead of steve rogers and that kind of thing uh and they're getting like the entire cast of the mcu back to voice all their characters for this uh for that's this awesome. show which is pretty awesome like the, the i'm not going to read the whole list here but there's like 50 names on it 
including including people I didn't expect to see, like Michael B. Jordan, um, for example. Wow. Uh, yeah. So really curious to see uh, what they do with that show. And then finally, there's the Hawkeye TV show. Uh, which we'll see uh, Hawkeye paired up with Kate Bishop, which we kind of already knew, but they kind of threw that out there. Uh, the first of those shows, Falcon Winter Soldier, comes out in 2020. The rest of them come out in 2021. Uh, right. So in 2021, you're going to have three Marvel movies and four Marvel TV shows uh, coming out on, on the Disney Plus platform, which is yeah. insane. When they first, uh, like when the panel first started, I was following along on Twitter, and they people were tweeting out pictures of the, the they put up like a timeline that just yeah. said like, like you know, uh, spring, 2021 like marvel studios like it didn't have any titles yet and i was like there can't possibly be seven movies in 2021 right like <laughs> before it even started we're not gonna let that happen right <laughs> yeah. that's not possible that's against some law somewhere um so then it turned out you know it's they were including the the disney plus shows as part of the official phase which is pretty interesting yes but once those started rolling out and they started revealing the titles and then when they really got when they got to WandaVision and they were like, oh, it's going to directly lead into Doctor Strange in the what I almost said Mansions of Madness, <laughs> Multiverse of Madness. Yes. Uh, I'm going to take your stance on that because that's a cool ass title. Right. When they said that, that that's going to directly lead into it. I was like, I'm out. I'm done. I hate it. <laughs> That's how I know I think I might be over these things. For right now, like we said, maybe by next year, by the time the movie comes out, by the time Black yeah. Widow comes out, I might be excited again. I mean, uh, I, I'm guessing the way this is going to work out. Like, the, the TV shows will lead directly into the movies or whatever, in whatever case. Like, it, like, that could lead directly into it. But I don't think you'll need to have watched the show in order to watch the movie. You know what I mean? I think it's going to be a situation yeah. where, like, even if, like, some mind-shattering event happens at the end of a TV show... Like, the movie will give you, like, a brief recap and just, like, catch you up to speed and, like, all right, here we go. And then you're off yeah. running kind of thing. Um, oh, I'm, for sure. I'm picturing more like, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which was a show that I watched for a very long time. And I actually, I fell behind on it. And I didn't mean to go back and watch because I do genuinely like the show. In, like, the second season or something like that, like, there is... In Age of Ultron, like, the second season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. happened around the same time that Age of Ultron was coming out. Like, the right. the, se- the season finale was aired, like, two weeks after Age of Ultron was released. And throughout the entire second season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., every once in a while you'd hear somebody talk about, like, this project that Coulson's working on. And it's like, oh, what could this project be? And then Age of Ultron comes out. And then after Age of Ultron came out, um, it was revealed that the project Coulson was working on was the helicarrier that uh, Nick Fury showed up in in Age of Ultron. Right. Uh, and he says, and in the movie, Nick Fury says, like, oh, I dusted this out of the mothballs and we're up and running. And that's all you need to know. Like, it's one of those things, like, if you yeah. if you have no knowledge of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at all, like, that moment is basically just like, oh, cool, Nick Fury in a helicarrier, neat. Uh, but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has, like, this whole elaborate backstory for, like, why the helicarrier <laughs> showed up. Uh, yeah. Which, like, you don't need in order to enjoy Age of Ultron. But if you're into, like, oh, that's, like, kind of interconnected stuff, uh, it's kind of neat. It's kind of fun. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm I, expecting. I think it'll TV be shows. more than that, though. The way it seems to be, say, like directly connected, and and the way I don't know. I just think that I'm at the point where I don't want to have to do homework to watch these movies, and it's starting to feel like, like, like the the gut reaction I got was like, one, I'm over it, and two, was like, <laughs> oh, this is why I avoid the general like main plot comic book marvel comic book lines because i don't have time to go read seven other story arcs right. to understand what this crossover event is about and like i don't i don't know that's just it just made me think of that and it's like all the wrong things to me personally like this is my opinion the wrong things about the comic book and i get like that's what they're doing like that's how comic books work so they're gonna do it with their c- cinematic version right uh, which is cool 
for people that enjoy that. For for me, it feels like homework to have to go out and read like, oh, this these five, you know, Captain America comic books or whatever to understand what's going on in this other one because uh, I'm not I haven't been following that and now I need to. Um, right. So I don't know. That was that was my gut reaction to those. Yeah, and I, 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 said, I don't know if I texted you. I texted maybe Sam uh, that does the reviews. It was like I know I'm dead inside because I wasn't hyped until Blade got announced. <laughs> and then I was like, "Fuck yes, let's yes. go!" And speaking of yes, Blade was announced. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so finally, this was basically the end of the panel type thing. Yeah, like it was very like way towards the end, and you know they had unveiled all the movies, and then finally. Mahershala Ali just walks out on stage and they announce he's playing Blade in an upcoming uh, feature film. Uh, so they're doing like a full-on Blade reboot or whatever. Mahershala Ali is going to be the star, uh, which as much as I love Wesley Snipes, like I think Mahershala Ali is going to crush this. Uh, it's all kinds of badass. Oh, yeah. Um, it's it's going to be awesome. I, I'm actually really psyched about that. That was one of those, like you texted me that, I think you texted me saying I wasn't excited until Blade showed up. And I was like, I mean, I'm excited for a lot of these things, but uh, that was like... One of those cool, just like end of Comic Con surprises, just like thrown out there, and ha- you like I like I wasn't I wasn't at the panel. I didn't watch any videos from the panel, but I can picture the audience freaking out in my head. You know what I mean? It's it's pretty <laughs> great. Did you see that stuff going around at Taika Waititi's face uh, when they when he puts no. that? What? So the whole thing was uh, he was like uh, Kevin Feige was like, oh, we don't have time to talk about mutants or Fantastic Four. Like he specifically named that we don't have time for those things. Yeah. So, but there is one more thing. Like, oh, come on out, Mahershala. Mahershala Ali came out and he was carrying a hat. <laughs> And they had they had given out Black Widow hats to the whole audience. Okay. And uh, he was like, oh, it looks like you got a different hat. What is it? And he put it on, and it had the Blade logo on it. Oh, nice. And the place went apeshit. And then there's a picture that somebody got of, of Taika Waititi, and he's just like, his like mouth is open, his hands are on his cheek, and he's just like losing his mind on stage. And it's the funniest thing, and it's just like, that's what I needed. That's, that's the light. great. That's the that's... love I need. <laughs> that's great. You would think that Taika Waititi would have known about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> somebody somebody made a joke about uh there is now potential for the what we do in the shadows vampires to be canon in, <laughs> in marvel yeah well did you, did you know i mean the uh there's that what we do in the shadows tv show yeah and i guess there was like a, a wesley Snipes made a cameo on it as Blade. what <laughs> like I it was a, i haven't watched the tv show yet but i heard about this clip uh that went around online of uh like the characters from what we do in the shadows having like a vampire convention or something and like mm-hmm. wesley snipes like skypes in as blade and uh tilda swinton from only lovers left alive is in there and oh like there's a couple of different like you know pop culture vampires that just like pop up in that in that whole sequence but uh, so yeah i mean technically they've already met blade so just yeah, throw that out there that. <laughs> um, uh, but, but I, yes. I do want to say I, I know i'm not the only one that called this obviously but I think if you go back and listen to the film book episode, film book cast episode of for Alita Battle Angel, I think I call out that it's him. It's Mahershala Ali auditioning to be Blade. <laughs> go check, go check it out. Colin, yeah. check the minutes. Let me know uh, when I say "damn son." That's yeah, awesome. There it is. Did do you remember? I mean, or actually, sorry. Did you did you hear um, how Mahershala Ali got this role? Didn't he just like call them and was yeah. like? Give me this shit, I think, right? Yeah, he, uh, like, right after winning his Oscar for Green Book, um, he called up Marvel Studios uh, and, and asked to set up a meeting. And Kevin Feige was like, yeah, you don't say no to Mahershala Ali. So they, they set up a meeting, and at the meeting, Mahershala Ali was like, yo, I want to play Blade. And Kevin Feige's like, all right, let's, <laughs> let's, let's make it happen. Wow. Uh, which is pretty great. So, yeah, so they, like, ten movies and TV shows kind of scattered throughout, and plus, like, the promise of a Blade movie with Mahershala Ali. 
that's a pretty significant panel. Uh, oh, yeah. Say, overall. And, yeah, he mentioned Test for X Men. They're in the works. Uh, obviously, it's a little while away. Um, but, yeah, five movies, five TV shows over the course of two years. That's something to get prepped for. That's, that's a lot of stuff. And I know yeah. you're feeling like you're sort of over it. And, honestly, I get that. Like, I, I feel like a bit of fatigue as well but it's one of those things like I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch all of them like I, I <laughs> you know what I mean uh, and I, mean, I think even, and I think even with the TV shows what I what I do like about them is they're not gonna be ongoing series or they're not designed to be that right uh, they're like they're all gonna be like six episode like one and done type things you know what I mean yeah um, that's a good which, point which I do appreciate because that's if it was like an ongoing series that's like I fell behind on the Netflix Marvel shows um, <laughs> and they had nothing and they had nothing you know they, they, they I fell behind on those uh, I think the last one I watched was the first season of Luke Cage, which, by the way, Mahershala Ali is in. Um, yeah, I've actually I <laughs> wanted to mention that I forgot. Yeah, so that was that's like a weird thing. So that's got to be like just the total confirmation that those Netflix shows really didn't count them. Don't <laughs> exist. Yeah, they just didn't exist. But I remember watching. I think the first two seasons of Daredevil, first season Jessica Jones, first season of Luke Cage. That's like thirty to forty ish episodes of content right there. That's like forty. That's like two full days of my life yeah. that I spent watching those shows. And then I fell behind because uh, Iron Fist came out. It was supposed to be terrible. Yep. Uh, and so I just kind of never bothered with it. And then I think the Defenders came out after that. And I was like, well, I can't watch that until I watch Iron Fist. Uh, and then, like, another show came out while I was still, like, debating whether I wanted to watch The Defenders. And then, like, it, it, after a while, yeah. like, there was just, like, it was way too much to catch up on. Uh, and so I was like, well, fuck it. I'm out. <laughs> like, I'm out. <laughs> uh, but for this, like, a six-episode show here and there, like, I can, I can get behind that, you know, especially because it's not going to be, like, and season two of this show is coming out in the next few months and that kind of thing. It's, uh, we so, hope. I, don't know. I, I think the way they're structuring this, like, I, I'm kind of all about it. Yeah, actually, I didn't really consider that, and that, that does alleviate some of that for me, where I was like, I'm not going to be able to invest, the, uh, you know, to this ongoing show. But if it's only, like, a couple episodes, like, you know, if it's, like, a HBO miniseries-style kind of thing. Right. Maybe. I could see that. Yeah, and I think it's a cool way to um, kind of put the spotlight on some characters in the MCU who haven't really had the spotlight before Yeah, uh, in a movie or something like that. Like Falcon Winter Soldier, they'd never have a movie like on their no. own, right? <laughs> they, they would never have a movie on their own. But now that Sam Wilson's Captain America, obviously he probably will get a movie at some point. But I think this is like a good like training ground for them to get people to be like more on board with their characters as like a solo adventure type deal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens with all that. But, uh, yeah, of these projects, I mean, I guess the most excited you are is for Blade, right? That's <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. They also did – he also did confirm Feige at the very end, uh, Black Panther 2, Captain Marvel 2, uh, I forget a couple. Like, he listed a bunch of stuff that, like, well, we didn't have time to talk about, like, but confirming that these movies are happening, uh, which is cool. Uh, but yeah, I guess Blade, but also, like, of the ones that we have a release date for, it's gotta be Doctor Strange, which is ironic because it's the one that I don't want to watch the prequel <laughs> TV show for. But it just seems so fucking cool, man. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm, I'm re- just the title itself. Just the title alone makes it the best. I can't Doctor. remember if it was for that or for Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. What is it? What is it? And, <laughs> and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, that he's, they said we're going, quote, full Jack Kirby for. Um, okay. So whichever one that was, I mean, both of them it could apply to, I guess. But uh, that's, pr- that's probably either for Doctor Strange or for the Eternals, because Jack Kirby actually created the Eternals. Oh, interesting. Um, it might have been Eternals, actually. I think you're right now that you said that. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah. It seems neat. Yeah, so we'll see. But the one I'm most excited for is definitely Thor, uh, Love and Thunder, just because I uh, love yeah. me some Ragnarok, love me some Takeaway TT, and I'm really excited to see what Natalie Portman brings to Jane Foster now that she's going to be Thor. Yeah, uh, like that's just it's still mind blowing to me. Like uh, even like superseding the blade thing, that to me is the most shocking thing. That like they got Natalie Portman back, <laughs> right? And that she's going to be like a major superhero character. It's going to be cool. It's going to be uh, epic. 
Yeah. So anyway, that that is uh, the Marvel news. And as always, we spent way too much time talking about it. So yeah. let's so let's move on into our discussions. Watch this. These are my discussions. Just when I thought I said all I could say, my buddy and I talk about movies we see. These are my discussions. There is so much to see, you and me. So we're going to talk about movies for our discussions. All right, it's time for our discussions here on Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. Uh, Mike, what do you have to discuss with us today? I have just a few things. Uh, first off, though, I want to just mention I finally worked up the courage to rewatch Hereditary. It just seems like there might be something you want to say. Yeah. Like what? I mean, why would I want to say something so I could watch you sneer at me? Sneer at you? I don't ever sneer at you. Oh, sweetie, you don't have to. You get your point across. Okay, so fine, then say what you want to say then. I don't want to say anything. I've tried saying Okay, so try again. Release yourself. Oh, release you, you mean? Yeah, fine, release me. Just say it. Just fucking say it. Don't you swear at me, you little shit. Don't you ever raise your voice at me. I am your mother. Do you understand? One, still great. Still a masterpiece, I think. (laughs) Two, still very traumatizing. Yeah. Uh, still just thinking about it every day, all the time. That's sure. neat. Now even See? worse because you just renewed your uh, <laughs> renewed your watching of it. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was it's interesting to watch a second time because that is one of those movies we talked about with Midsummer, where it's got well, uh, it's the opposite of Midsummer, where Midsummer is like all of their like uh, foreshadowing and you know little s- symbolic stuff is just like we're gonna show it to you. It's like blatant, Heret- it's like drawn on pictures on you know, on the wall on the sc- like that you're watching basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like they show you the storyboards for the movie basically. Yeah. Uh, um, whereas Hereditary, that shit is like buried deep down in there and it doesn't make any you don't even notice it the first time right and um so it was very interesting to watch that all this stuff is uh, you know all the events of the movie are like oh no they tell you it's gonna happen it's just in code because you don't really know what you're looking for yet uh, you know 10 minutes into the movie so that was that's amazing it's beautiful um it was interesting too i, I have the blu-ray so i watched uh, you know the little behind the scenes thing uh, the little documentary stuff they got going on yeah and uh alex wolf i think is the actor that plays peter the son yep um like went method on it which is insane where he was like they he was like it referred they referred to him as peter the whole production okay and on, on the last day of shooting after they finished he introduced himself as alex which is like what a fucking weirdo because that's a crazy character to be method on you that's know the true, guy yeah. being possessed and going insane right so that's interesting uh there's some deleted scenes which we i think we wanted to talk about with Midsummer, where they re- in Hereditary they they do the same shot. In Midsummer, there's this kind of transition where uh, Danny, right, is the main character's name, yep. um, is like, "Oh, I have to go to the bathroom." Then like this kind of awkward traumatic moment where she's having like these flashbacks, and she goes into the bathroom and shuts the door, and it, it changes locations to an airport or airplane bathroom. Yes. Yeah, and uh, it's got like this overhead shot where it's like it just kind of happens so gradually you don't even notice that it's happening. Yeah, uh, it's like really the cool. camera goes up and over the door frame, and then it changes yes. uh, places. And in her, in the deleted scene for Hereditary, there's a moment where that happens. Uh, it's the same exact shot; it just doesn't change location. Okay, uh, where Peter? It's after uh, I guess spoilers for Hereditary. <laughs> after Peter has killed uh, Charlie, and they're yeah. having like the funeral at the house or whatever, and somebody comes up to him and is is like, "Oh, I, you know, um, sorry for what happened" or something, and Peter runs away. Okay. And it goes into the bathroom and shuts the door, and it does the same over the door frame, like camera move. Uh, and that was, so and like that, they, was, that was a deleted scene from Hereditary. 
Yeah, yeah, it was a deleted okay. scene. Wow, so Ari Aster was just like, all right, since it didn't actually make the cut of Hereditary, I might as well just toss this into Midsummer. Fucking do it again, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like he tried it and it worked, and he's like, yeah. we're going to do it. Uh, so that, that was cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, good luck trying, go, go watch Hereditary a second time, basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I've been meaning to rewatch it for a while, especially now that I've seen Midsummer. I kind of want to rewatch both, honestly. Which Midsummer actually just started playing again uh, in the indie theater near my house. Uh, at the Roxy Theater, uh, in case anybody doesn't is unfamiliar, around the block of my house, yes. Uh, so I, I may end up uh, going to see it uh, if I, again if I have time. But actually, Ari Aster was saying there's like a half hour longer cut of Midsummer out there, um, which I believe is playing at the Lincoln Center, in New York City, or something like that, in uh, in like next month or something like that. Oh, I, I don't shit. really, yeah. So I, if if it is, you should check it out because you're. I gotta find that. By. Yeah, I gotta look yeah. that up. Um, but hopefully that gets a, like a wider, like a home video release at some point soon because that would be really interesting to see. Yeah, hopefully that'll be on the Blu-ray for Midsummer. It'll have like a director's cut kind of thing, right? Uh, which is awesome. And then I have a couple other things I want to talk about, and I think I might be like notoriously not TV show watcher guy on this in these show <laughs> these podcasts we got. It's all '80s exploitation movies for you, Mike. That's, that's all <laughs> pretty <it is>. much. <laughs> uh, I have two TV shows to talk about. <laughs> what I'm getting okay. at. Yeah. Um, first up is Killing Eve. I've been feeling any. Anxieties or stress recently? I had quite a heavy period last week, but other than that, I think I'm okay. When was the last time you worked? Yesterday. Was it a successful mission? Yes. I shot him twice in the heart and watched the spark drain from his eyes. Did you talk to him? A little. Hmm? He said he had children and offered me money. What did you feel when he said those things? Impatient which is a BBC show uh, starring Sandra Oh and Jodie Comer. Um, and I think it's, I don't know if it was created by or written by, I know some episodes were written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I believe, I believe she's the creator of the show also, yeah. Yeah, it's based on some novels, um, which I've never read, but it's, you know, it's got there in the, in the credits. Uh, and this is a, a BBC um, kind of like spy thriller show where uh, Sandra Oh plays the title character, the titular Eve. <laughs> <laughs> Who is like this kind of British intelligence person who thinks there's this international assassin going undetected and, and it's her trying to piece together, you know, the, the crimes and stuff. And it, and it is just like so fucking weird and yeah. it's gorgeously shot and it's, uh, I think, eight episodes per season. So I, I've only watched the f- uh, first complete season and six episodes of the second season. Uh, and the characters are just so well written, and it's just like I want to hang out with all of them, even though they're like the most awful humans. <laughs> uh, like Jodie Comer is playing Villanelle, who's this international assassin, and she's like pure, like evil, like psychotic. Doesn't like will like kill people in fun ways because she's bored, uh, and like that kind of villain. But like she's also hilarious, and it's really <laughs> weird, and I feel uncomfortable about it. But yeah, it's great. Everyone's giving great performances. Um, so if you, if you can find it, I think it's on Hulu, or the first season, I believe, is on Hulu. Hulu for, yeah, they're both on Hulu, actually. So check those out. That's Killing Eve. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's, I, it's fun times. Yeah, I've heard nothing but great things about that show. Uh, it's one of those things, like, I feel like I should watch at some point, but also I never have time to watch any TV, so it's... Yeah. It's, un- unless it's a Happy Endings rerun, I am not watching it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me, I think I've talked about it a long time ago on Film Bookcast, at least, that show Utopia, the BBC show. Yeah, I, think, I, I, feel, I remember you talking about it, yeah. Yeah, well, it's one. It's another one of those like uh, kind of global conspiracy kind of thing, like on the run right. type situation. It's a lot like that. It's beautiful, gorgeous. Uh, has a lot of cool like cinematography stuff happening, which is neat. You know, 
peak peak TV. Although I guess we're kind of past that a little bit by now, but post it's peak still TV. Neat. Yes, post peak. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's Killing Eve. And the other TV right. show I want to talk about real quick is called Los Spookies, which is the f- <laughs> wins has to win an Emmy for the most fun title to say. Uh, Los Los Spookies, uh, and this is a new HBO show. It's um, right up there with Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> exactly. It's Los Spookies. Los Spookies in the Multiverse of Madness. Whoa, crazy! That would be a crazy crossover. <laughs> Um, and it's possible because this is a horror TV show on uh, on HBO, and this this follows a group of uh, a couple like uh, young adult uh, Mexican friends uh, in Mexico. I mean, and they um, so it's in Spanish, so like yes. be aware, I guess, if you're one of those fucking nerds that hates subtitles, like oh I can't, well, I don't want to read my TV. Fuck off. <laughs> uh, it's great, and they they like are just like a bunch of horror obsessed like gothy friends that make um, really good horror special effects stuff like for fun yeah so they the first episode they do their main the main character's um younger sister's quinceanera she wants a spooky quinceanera so they do like you know the kind of silly like uh spaghetti is a bowl of brains like haunted house goofy stuff like that <laughs> yeah. uh and the local priest is there and he sees it and he goes i need you guys to help me fake stage an exorcism because i need a promotion in the church so that's the whole that's the first episode they do this whole thing and uh, it goes off without a hitch, and then at the end of the episode, they get a phone call from this, like, mysterious heiress person who's like, oh, my father died, and his last wish was to have people stay in his mansion, and whoever can survive the, the night will get the inheritance, so I need you to help me stage this haunted house. And it just becomes them, like, in a serious <laughs> series of escalating, like, fake haunting jobs. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, like, they can't handle what's going on, and it's very funny, and, of course, like, there's weird supernatural shit starts happening, and and uh, Fred Armisen is involved. He's a producer and writer, and he's a character in it, and he's <laughs> he plays a guy, one of the uncle, this character's uncle, whose entire life dream... Uh, was to be a valet, like a car valet Parker guy. Okay. That's And he's like the best valet driver in the world, and it's the funniest. It's like, you know, a typical Fred Armisen. Like, <laughs> it's great. Um, yeah, and it's only six episodes. They're like 25 minutes each. Uh, okay. It's Los Spookies, available on HBO, demand, on demand, and uh, all that stuff. So, yeah, check it out. And, and it's basically like a show specifically made for us for people that are like very into horror stuff because they constantly are talking about like horror is my passion nobody understands me and like all this stuff it's like you know soap opera okay goofy stuff um so that's Los spookies nice yeah i've heard great things about that show too that's another one that i would like to try to watch at some point and we'll see what happens if i actually do uh before i get to my discussions actually i should mention that um i completely forgot that i asked him to do this uh but kyle our uh, our theme song guy music supervisor Mm-hmm. Uh, I see. So you know how I take like movie titles and I start singing them to like random songs that fit the title of the song. I yeah. do that a, a lot. Uh, like when I saw Gone Girl, I was like, "Gone Girl, you're out of your mind." It's like that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. One of the things um, that I, has been stuck in my head for like three years, like ever since Moonlight came out, um, <laughs> and I found out who Mahershala Ali was. Um, uh-huh. I think he was at he was at the Oscars or something, and somebody pronounced his name a little weird or whatever oh, and then yeah. from from in my head from that point forward i would always sing mahershala to the tune of manamana by the muppets uh, <laughs> so it would go like mahershala do 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 mahershala do 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 uh, 
Anyway, so earlier today, I completely forgot that I asked him to do this. I asked Kyle, hey, could you, since we're talking about Mahershala Ali playing Blade uh, today, uh, could you whip this up as a song real quick? And he was like, yeah, sure. And he just sent it to me. So obviously, oh I'm going to play that right now. I've not even heard the song yet. I'm just going to say, like, this is the designated space for the Mahershala Ali Muppet song. <laughs> Mahershala. 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 And there it is. Um, wow, that was great. I can't believe uh, Kyle just did that. I can't, it's so amazing. <laughs> yes, uh, so obviously this is going to be our new running joke. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be the new, uh, despite starring Rage, he's still just Nicolas Cage. Which, by the way, despite starring him Rage, <laughs> he is still just Nicolas Cage. We're getting out of hand with the bits, Mike. We, we completely derailed the show for that right now. But uh, There's no guest. There's no rules. There's no rules. It's total anarchy here. Um, and realistically, we should have played that song when we were talking about Marishali. <laughs> As he was playing a blade, but we didn't. So there it is. I, I mean, I just received the song <laughs> like seconds ago, uh, and Live completely, on air. completely forgot that I uh, had <laughs> had asked him to do it. So yes, now we have that. You're welcome, America, for Mahershala. <laughs> All right. Maybe this will get back to Mahershala Ali. Do you think? Do you think? I think so. We can do it. <laughs> do you think he'll hear about it? Probably. Um, yeah, and maybe he'll invite us to be in the new Blade movie. Yeah. Maybe we can be like his vampire sidekicks. We'll see what happens. Yeah, starring roles. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, I have a few discussions to get into before <laughs> before we uh, get into our featured review. Uh, I, I have not had the time to watch a ton of movies over the past couple of weeks because uh, I have been, uh, I mean, obviously at work and stuff, but just going back and forth between concerts and other things here and there. Uh, plus, I've been trying to do a, a rewatch of Quentin Tarantino's filmography before Once Upon a Time in Hollywood comes out, uh, and I'll probably go more in depth with that when we review that movie next week uh which by the way we're reviewing that movie next week uh, oh, the <laughs> more you know yeah um but i did get the chance to squeeze in uh one movie in the theater uh, last week and that is a movie called crawl uh which is a new horror movie directed by alexandra aja who was the director of piranha 3d which as you know i'm a huge huge fan i do per- know actually of You're piranha 3d i love that movie i have it on blu-ray um, and it stars uh, Kaya Scodelario and Barry Pepper. And basically the plot of this movie is that uh, this daughter uh, goes back to her father's house in the middle of a hurricane because he's not answering his uh, calls or anything and she's worried that he might be stuck there or something. She goes, she finds him in the basement, and uh, it turns out the basement is overrun by alligators. So now the two of them are stuck in a basement uh, surrounded by alligators in the middle of a hurricane, and that's the movie. Uh, and it's like 90 minutes of that. And it's fun for a while. You know, okay. uh, and then it's not as fun anymore. It's just, it, it's, I mean, it's it, there's some chompy fun to be had, you know, with gators biting people and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. all, all the gators are very CGI. Like, they're very computer-generated gators, and it shows. Which, like, I think I would have rather had, like, you know, just, like, actual, like, not actual gators, but, like, <laughs> but, you know, like... <laughs> But like you know, animatronics or puppets or whatever, like some like something that actually something. felt like something that felt like it was there. Um, and there's some fun gore sequences. There's some good gator action in the movie. But I feel like just by the end of it, uh, I just wasn't uh, in, that invested in it. I think the uh, you know the daughter and the father they're all right together. Um, and Barry Pepper's a good actor. I think Kaya Scodelario. Uh, I've seen her name a bunch of times. I'm not sure if I've ever actually seen her in anything. I think she was in Skins, the British version of Skins. Maybe one of the late pirate movies. Maybe I think th- I think she's in one of the pirates movies, but not one of the ones that I've seen. Um, yeah. 
but anyway, like they're fine together, and uh, you know, it just feels like there's it's a very thinly drawn movie. Uh, that mainly only exists to have alligator attacks, and the alligator attacks are pretty fun for a while, but they're they're just not varied enough. I feel like I need there needs to be more, which I was surprised by because again, Piranha 3D, amazing movie, one of, <laughs> one of the best movies of the 2010s in my in my humble opinion. Wow, I think uh, you I think you might have left out an important detail though from what I believe about uh, Crawl is didn't Sam Raimi produce it? He did he's produce this 12, movie, actually. Right? Yes. Yeah, Sam Raimi is a producer on this movie too. I don't know how involved he was behind the camera. Right? I doubt he was like that. Like that closely involved. I think he um, ghost directed it. Actually, no, no I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> actually, <laughs> Sam Raimi directed the entire thing. You just said you didn't like a Sam Raimi movie, Mike. You idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you fool. You've been fired. <laughs> but yeah, it's you know fine for what it is. There's enough Gator action to be like, yeah, I'll, I'll go for this. But I, I will tell you, it was me and two other people in the theater. Um, oh my god! Both of which were like so like they weren't together. Like there was a like three, <laughs> nobody was with anybody. Three solo people in this theater, um, and there's a guy in my row, kind of towards the end, and there's one guy in the row ahead of me. About halfway through the movie, the guy in my row towards the end, he got up and he left, and he never came back. Oh. Uh, and then about three quarters of the way through the movie, the guy in the row in front of me got up and left and never came back. And then by the end of the movie, I was the only one left in the movie. <laughs> Why would you wait that long into a movie before you're like, eh, I'm done? I know, right? It just people are weird. weird. I don't get it. People are very weird. A lot of times people will go to the bathroom as the trailers end, and I'm like, the movie is starting. What are <laughs> you doing? <laughs> yep. You had 20... You've been sitting there for 25 minutes. <laughs> it, it, like, people don't make any sense. It boggles my mind. Um, but anyway so, anyway, so that is Crawl, and uh, it's fine for what it is, but uh, definitely not something I recommend going out to go see, uh, you know, rushing out to go see it in the theater. And then, as far as other discussions go, I kind of wanted to give a brief shout-out to The Last of Us Remastered, which uh, I know you're a huge Last of Us fan, Mike. Oh, boy, am I. Yeah. <laughs> How many times have you played through that game? Uh, I think at least three times, which okay. is rare for me. I normally don't go back and replay video games. Right. Uh, well, that's a, like that. Yeah, I, I played The Last of Us um, when it came out on the PlayStation 3 back in 2013, I think. Uh, it was like six years ago or something like that yeah. at this point. Um, so I played it like when it first came out because I was a huge Naughty Dog fan. I love the Uncharted games, and I, and I really enjoyed The Last of Us. I liked the game a lot. Uh, and then I just never picked it up again. Like I played it the one time, and I was done. I was good. Now, like six years have passed, and I still re- remember enjoying the game, but my memory of it was like, kind of foggy, you know, because it's been right. forever since I played it. Uh, and then I discovered that um, you know Walmart had it on sale, like the remastered PS4 version for like 15 bucks, and it had that with the uh, the Le- Last of Us Left Behind DLC, which I never played. Um, yeah, actually, I, f- I haven't played that. I forgot. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I-, I assumed you had, because you're such a big Last of Us guy, but... Uh... Same, though. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had until just right now, and you mentioned it, and I was like, wait, actually, <laughs> I never played it. There's there's new Last of Us stuff I haven't played yet? Oh, my God, uh, we got to pause. Hold on. we, we got to pause this right now. Uh, but anyway, so I picked up the remastered version, um, which, again, I, ha- I had not played the PS4 version of the game. I only played the PS3 version. Um, it's basically the same, just like slightly, yeah, I mean, yeah. slightly updated graphics, I guess. I mean, the, the remastered version came out like a year after the the original, I think. But uh, so I've, I've been playing it, and I think I'm like uh, maybe a quarter of the way through so far. Uh, I just kind of picked it up here and there, but uh, yeah, it's still great. Still, The Last of Us, still really good. And I, I, part of the reason I wanted to replay it was because The Last of Us Two comes out, I think, next year. Uh, yes. Or so, 
or is it, is it even this year? Is it the end of this year? Like late? Like uh, I would guess probably next year, but I don't remember. Only because I don't know for certain, which makes me okay. think it's not this year. Gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, so I, I, I wanted to replay it for that reason, just to like refresh my memory and uh, get myself ready for Last of Us Part Two. And uh, I'm definitely getting hyped. And I will tell you, the clickers are still as much of a bastard as I Ugh. remember them being. They're <laughs> so them, fucking scary. Hate them so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you yes, mean the that... monsters from A Quiet Place? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Last of Us came first. Uh, True. Uh, anyway, so yeah, that is The Last of Us Remastered. And then finally, I uh, wanted to uh, kind of just briefly mention, I mentioned this at the top of the show, but I was at uh, the Vans Warp Tour 25th anniversary show this past weekend uh, in California, Mountain View, California, right outside San Francisco. Uh, and it was a blast. It was a great time. I mean, uh, are you, have you ever been to Warp Tour, Mike? I don't think I have, actually, which is very surprising because I don't know if... I think a lot of people of my generation, <laughs> um, even though we're the same age, but you know what I mean, yep. <laughs> uh, in like eighth and ninth grade, we're like, no, I'm a punk kid now. Uh, and right. like that, that didn't last more than that. <laughs> and by punk, it was like Simple Plan and Good Charlotte, right. and like Yellow Card and Sugar Cult and like all that shit. Uh, <laughs> And that was all the bands that would play at Warp Tour. And I know a lot of people went. I don't know if I was allowed to go, maybe. Mm. That, that like, you know, in eighth grade, you're still, like, 13. It's kind of young to be like, oh, I'm going to go stand in the parking lot of Giant Stadium for 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> Probably didn't go over so well. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I, I, I had never been to Warp Tour before uh, this experience. Uh, and it's one of those things I felt like I always felt like I should have gone. Um, but I think by the time I was, like, old enough to be able to go to Warp Tour, like you said, we were, like, 13 when we were into that kind of stuff. By the time I was old enough to go to Warp Tour, the li- like, the kinds of bands that were playing it were different. Yeah. Like, it was a yes. lot more pop stuff as opposed to the punk alternative stuff which i was really into um and so there, there would still be bands that i liked but definitely not as much as i would want there to be in order to go to like a big festival type thing but then last year they announced that uh, last year's warp tour the 2018 warp tour was going to be the last one that like that you know touring across the country thing was going to stop and that was gonna be the last one and so the lineup for last year was actually pretty good because it was like a lot of the uh, a lot of the old classic warp tour bands kind of coming back for one last run and then this year they were like Okay, but wait, this is the 25th anniversary of Warped Tour, so we got to do, like, something. <laughs> right. Can't uh, end on the 24th anniversary. Exactly. So they didn't do a full Warped Tour this year. Usually the way Warped Tour works is it's, you know, just a, it's a tour. It's a big thing where, like, all these bands um, kind of just go from town to town over the course of the entire summer. And sometimes, like, some bands are playing some dates some, or whatever, but uh, generally speaking, it's like a tour that goes through, like, 20, 30 different cities across America. Uh, this this year there were three Warp Tour events. One of them was in Cleveland, uh, which was kind of like a mini Warp Tour thing, and then there was a uh, one in uh, New Jersey, Atlantic City, and then one here in Mountain View, California, uh, the Shoreline Amphitheater. And so I was like, well, this is, and this could be like the last Warp Tour ever. It probably won't be, but it, like it could be. <laughs> so it, if on the off chance that it is the last Warp Tour ever, a it's a great lineup of bands. B it could be the last one. C I've never been to California before. Uh, and it could be a good time. So I ended up going to Warp Tour, and it was a blast, man. It was, a, it was just a really nice. good time. If you're into those kind of bands, I mean, I mean, The Offspring were there, Bad Religion, Simple Plan, uh, No FX, Less Than Jake, who I've seen like six times at this point, uh, Goldfinger, Save Ferris, uh, Andrew WK, Sum 41 was there. I, I actually missed Sum 41 um, to go see a different band, Teenage Battle Rocket. Uh, <laughs> which the thing is like there's there were so many bands there and like i went with my friend and we kind of had to figure out a schedule because the way warp tour works um they don't reveal the schedule of the bands until the day of the show <laughs> wait uh, a second hold the fuck yeah. up 
<laughs> they'll, t- they'll tell you which bands are playing what day, but they don't reveal the, s- the set times until day of, like 9 a.m. Oh, my God. Um, which, luckily, there's a Warped Tour app, which you can just keep like your schedule updated and stuff like that yeah. in there. Um, but the result is that there were some bands that, like, I was like, all right, like, there's two bands playing at the same time on two different stages, and I want to see both of them, so i got to make a choice <laughs> right now. But I only had to sacrifice, I had to sacrifice the Aquabats. Um, yeah, which I was kind of upset about, but that was to see Bad Religion, uh, who I've seen okay. before, but that was like, if I had gone to see the Aquabats, then I would have lost my space for The Offspring on that other stage, and so, you know, it was whatever. But Oh, I'm uh, familiar with the struggles of a music festival. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then the other one was I missed some 41 in order to see Teenage Bottle Rocket uh, instead. But yeah, but those were both like, you know, losses that I could, they, they were hits that I could take, you know, they were, yeah. <laughs> they were solid. Um, but anyway, uh, the whole thing was just a really cool experience, and the best part was, I mean, no effects have been one of my favorite punk bands for a long time and I was pretty excited to see them they were supposed to play the last set on Sunday night that, they were like the last the last band to play right. uh, and then me and my friend were hanging out and uh, I think we were watching I think we were watching The Used so the last bit of The Used <laughs> wow sorry they were one of those 8th <laughs> grade yes I'm um, into punk and emo bands right <laughs> so The Used was playing at the very end of The Used set and was like alright that was cool hopefully we'll see no effects later and then he said that, and then, they all, and then they all left the stage. And me and my friend was like, wait, what What did he mean by that? Like, <laughs> uh, so then another band goes out, this band, Jawbreaker. Uh, but anyway, Jawbreaker plays their set, and then, like, you know, they leave. And then it's 9.30, which is when NoFX is supposed to go on. And then uh, Kevin Lyman, who's the founder of Warp Tour, comes out and starts talking. And he's like, hey, so listen, here's what's going down. <laughs> which is never a great way to start uh, no. that, that whole situation. But he said, here's what's happening. NoFX was playing a show in Quebec like last night and their flight got canceled and they're literally on their way here in like a private jet right now. They're about to land in San Francisco at like nine fifty one, Um, and there's a, there's like a curfew here. So we got to be out of here by like 11. But so in order to like kind of pass the time, he, uh, what we're going to do, did you, did you guys know that some 41 used to be a no effects tribute band before they were, <laughs> before they were a band. Um, so he got the guys from some 41 out and they played no effects song. And then he got like, the dude from All American Rejects and the guys from Circus Survive and like I think the dude from Goldfinger was in there and oh my God. like they just started play- like jamming and playing no effects songs for like twenty minutes and then finally this this was awesome this was like the incredible moment of the entire festival they were playing the no effects song the bruise and they had uh, a guy from the audience come out on stage and sing the lyrics because because none, none of them could like remember what the <laughs> lyrics of the song were because they were like this impromptu tribute band like it was just a yeah. weird thing. Um, so they had an audience member come out, come on stage, help them with the lyrics, and he was singing the song. And me and my friend could see um, a car pull up, like, behind the stage, like, from where we were. We saw an angle, and we saw the car pull up, and it was like, holy shit. And then we saw some guy from the car, like, run up to the stage, and it was Fat Mike from No FX. And he, like, awesome. just ran on stage and, like, grabbed the dude who, like, this audience member who was singing the song and just started, like, chanting along with him, like, doing the song and stuff. And they finished out the song together, and then No FX finished the set. Um, wow. Which was pretty cool. No FX was also very drunk. By the way, when they were, when they were playing, not surprised. Their set itself, it was fun enough. Like I feel like the actual, like just that moment itself was like the best part of the whole experience. Yeah. And after that, like they played, they, they played and kind of goofed around, and they they were, they were really only on stage for like forty five minutes at that point. But still, it was a cool cool experience all around. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, that was my uh, my Vans Warped Tour twenty fifth anniversary show experience. We don't really talk about music that much on the no special segment, even though we always say like, oh, whatever media we've been consuming lately, and I'm. And I do a lot of music-related stuff, so I figure like, oh, I'll toss this in there because I haven't watched like any movies over the, <laughs> over, the over the past couple of weeks because I've been going to these shows. Yeah, you've been tour. too busy jet setting. You went to San Francisco that one time. Oh yeah, 
<laughs> Fair enough, yeah. Um, anyway, that, I think, wraps up our discussions for this week, Mike. So let's move on into our featured review of The Lion King. Life's not fair, is it, my little friend? While some are born to feast, others spend their lives in the dark. Begging for scraps. Everything you see exists together in a delicate balance. While others search for what they can take, a true king searches for what he can give. All right, that was from the trailer for The Lion King. And before we begin, let's hear that Mahershala theme one more time. <laughs> one more time. <laughs> Mahershala. 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 Wow, so great. Thanks, Kyle. Yeah, Mahershala. Uh, all right, the, so that was from the trailer for The Lion King, uh, written by Jeff Nathanson and directed by John Favreau. It stars Donald Glover, Beyonce, Chiwetilla Ejiofor, Billy Eichner, Seth Rogen, Alfred Woodard, John Connie, John Oliver, and James Earl Jones, among others. And the IMDb plot synopsis for The Lion King reads... Watch the first one. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, no, I really a- believe you for a second. <laughs> Holy shit! Uh, it reads: uh, After the murder of his father, a young lion prince flees his kingdom, only to learn the true meaning of responsibility and bravery. I'm actually curious. I didn't check. I'm curious what the IMDb plot synopsis for the '94 one uh, <laughs> would be. Like, if it's wow. exactly the same. It's got to be. Come on. It's got to be very, very close. Um, well, but Mike, what, what was your? Uh, oh, we kind of mentioned this before. Your hype level for. The Lion King 2019, tepid at best, you tepid said? Tepid at best, yes. <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, we're, we're also, just to get it out there, we're just going to do spoilers for, it's a movie came out 25 years ago. Come on. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's the same thing, so we're just going to do spoiler, standing spoiler warning for Lion King. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but my overall reaction to uh, the the 2019 Lion King was is basically like, yeah, that's, that's the Lion King, all right? For, like, yeah, sure. <laughs> And I don't mean that in a bad way, per, per se. Like, that like, sure was the Lion King. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, it was like, I have gotten the thing I paid for. Yes. Uh, I sat down to watch the Lion King, and I did. And um, that's kind of really it, basically. I mean, it looks, it looks gorgeous. Like, you can't, for everything we can say about uh, the Lion King and this animation, you can't say that it looks bad, right? Like, of all the things, it looks gorgeous. It's, like, basically photorealism. Mm-hmm. Um, the only problem with that is, like, uh, that on its own is, is absolutely, like, a technical achievement, and I, and I don't want to, like, shit on 3D animators. Like, you know, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. However. <laughs> no, okay. I, I made that much more dramatic than it needed to be. <laughs> yeah. There, uh, but the whole thing is, there's just, it's it's stone-faced animals the whole time. That's right. my biggest complaint. Like, it's just a lion. Lions don't emote. You know, yeah. and that's yes. that's fine, I guess. But I would have rather just watched the OG one, the 1994 one, where right. where it's exciting and and they're they're sort of anthropomorphized a little bit. So there's some facial expressions, and they use their hands in weird ways and stuff. Right. Um, yeah. uh, their paws and feathers and wings and stuff. Um, yeah, and I just kept thinking about that the whole time. Yeah, and no, one character in particular um, was uh, John Oliver's Zazu. Uh, yes. Who was amazing. John Oliver's voice, like, he's great. His voice acting was great. 
but it was just like it's just a bird. And the, my, my weirdest thing, like the weirdest thing, the weirdest decision they made was they kept all of the like ticks that animals have, like their ears twitch and like they kind of like look off to the side and like scratch themselves and stuff. Yeah. But like while they're just delivering dialogue normally, and it's so fucking weird. <laughs> it's such a weird decision to make, and I get it. Yeah. Like oh, it's photorealism and stuff. But it was just this one thing that kept it kept pulling me out. Like anytime uh, uh, Timon or Pumbaa, Timon, yeah, would like stop and scratch his belly and stuff, and be like, "What? Like <laughs> you're in the middle of a conversation? It's so weird. I don't know. It's such a weird thing for me to like fixate on, but I did, and it bothered there- me." There are two movies that this movie really reminds me of, and neither of them was the original Lion King. Um, <laughs> That's great. The, fir- the first of which, because you mentioned that, like, like happily animal ticks and stuff in there, which, by the way, is an incredible attention to detail for the yeah. formalism that they're going for. But it's, like, they could have just made The Adventures of Milo and Otis, right? That that could have been... <laughs> I don't know what that is. You don't know, the, you don't know Milo and Otis? That was, that was a movie, oh, I think it was... I, I can't believe you don't know this. It was, like, a huge movie when I was, like, four years old. Uh, <laughs> so there's... Milo and Otis was a movie about, uh, I think it was a Disney movie, and it was just like, you know, a live-action dog and a live-action cat. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah. I do know and, this movie. I'm and it was it just, up. yeah, and they, it was one of those movies where, like, you know, Disney would just, like, dub voice actors over, like, real animals. You it know, was Homeward like, Bound. Yes, yeah, that, but that was the thing they used to do back in, like, yeah. the early 90s. And, like, Beethoven one, and all those movies. Right, and, like, Babe was good, and the rest of them were that. Right. Um, you know, they... <laughs> <laughs> basically you know and so it's it just it feels weird to me that like now we're getting to the point where we can do like crazy cgi for realistic animals when back in the day we just used the realistic animals and we're basically <laughs> getting the same effect uh yeah. you know it's it's always like a little weird like it's always disconcerting uh so I, I, it's just one of those things was like what, what was the point of all of this wow but, uh, that's really, a really good way to put it sorry uh, but the movie that really that this really reminded me of uh and the movie that i was not expected to be reminded of because it's a very different movie that movie is psycho uh, <laughs> Wait a second. Specifically, Gus Van Sant's remake of Psycho from 1998. Wow. Which Hashtag started, levels. Yeah. Which was basically a shot-for-shot remake of the original Psycho, but with new actors, including Vince Vaughn as Norman Bates. Uh, and that movie was like a really interesting experiment that ultimately feels kind of pointless. Uh, and yeah. there's this, and there's this vague sense of why are we doing this that this, that, that movie can't shake because it's remaking a pretty much perfect original movie and it's not updating or changing anything right so like why not just go watch the original and that's kind of how i feel about the lion king just why not just go watch the original <laughs> yeah like, you know I, like i went to go see this in the theater and uh, it was a semi-packed theater it made bank at the box office this weekend by the way which right, makes sense uh but yeah I, I i don't know i thought it was basically fine but like everything i liked about this movie was something that was done better in the original movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? uh and i will say like i actually watched the original relatively recently on a plane ride back to Missoula uh, about a month ago, uh, and so I, I caught the I watched the original then, just like hey, The Lion King. I'll watch this before I watch the remake, so I can compare and contrast. And I kind of wish I didn't do that, just because neck now because the original is so fresh in my mind right now. Yeah, it's like like man, I can just like you know I I can picture all of the things that like the original does in this scene, and like they're so much more interesting than what this movie is doing right now, kind of thing. right. Uh, and, and I probably could have done that even without rewatching it because The Lion King was one of those movies that I watched and rewatched and rewatched constantly when I was like uh, four or five years old. Um, mm-hmm. But still, it's it's just one of those things. Like you watch the original, and it's like, oh, it's, this is so obviously better in every respect. It's like what? <laughs> what was the point of this? Yeah, yeah. There's a few moments like that, uh, and I haven't seen Lion King in at least ten years, probably even more. I feel like maybe somebody had it at college on DVD, uh, so we could we probably watched it, but. 
I do remember, as a side note, I fucking hated The Lion King as an employee of FYE. Not, I love The Lion King. Okay. But while I was working at FYE, because Lion King is one of those notorious vault movies for Disney where, like, they didn't put it out ever after. Right. Like, you know, it came out on DVD, and I don't think ever, like, they put discontinued it, and that was it. And people would come in because it's a very popular movie and be like, hey, where's Lion King? And we're like, oh, it doesn't exist. And they would, like, get mad at me as if I had the decision to do that. Like, I as told you, Disney. You, you personally burned all of the Lion King DVDs. Yes, exactly. I had a bonfire and burned them all. Um, so fuck Disney and its vault is what I'm getting at there. Right. Anyway. Uh, so I haven't seen it in a very long time, and that's part of the reason why, I guess. But there's still some moments where I was like, I remember what this looks like because it is so vivid, and it's one of those movies that, we, you know, like you said, you watch it a million times when you're five. Because right. that's, all, that's what you do. I alternate between Toy Story and Lion King because that's all you do. <laughs> um, but I can still remember, like, what these scenes looked like and, like, the facial expressions and, like, what is going on in the original one. And uh, the one scene, um, I guess, because we're not really doing like spoilers and stuff, I'll just—I mean, because like we said, it's a twenty-five-year-old movie. But that right. scene, and it's exactly the same. Yeah, it's the ex- literally like. There's one scene that I know is different, only because it went around on Twitter, uh, which I guess we'll talk about. But the scene that really gave me this realization, where I was like, "Oh, this is just like a less expressive version of the first one," is yeah. after uh, Simba runs away after after Mufasa has been killed and he meets Timon and Pumbaa and like they do the whole Hakuna Matata song, which was yeah. great. Like I'm glad. Uh, that the songs are in it. I haven't seen these live action. A lot of these live action movies. I think Jungle Book might be the only one which doesn't right. have any. Of, only has two songs in it. So it's that, nice J- to Jungle know. Book, Jungle Book was weird because it was like embarrassed to be a musical kind of thing. Yeah, like, it was yeah. Of like oh yeah, we'll do like kind of half-hearted versions of these songs. Yeah, <laughs> like, throw them in there, but yeah. we'll sneak them in. Uh, but anyway, so that, that happens. Hakuna Matata is great, but it's when when Timon and Pumbaa are like, oh, we can get some grubs over here, and they break the log open and. and Simba eats, like, a worm or whatever for the first time, yeah. and he's, like, slimy, yet satisfying, or whatever he says. <laughs> I remember his fucking facial expressions from that when he's, like, slurping down the the, the worm, and, like, it's, right. like, goofy and silly, and he's making, like, a sour face, and then, like, all this stuff. And this is just a lion eating a worm. Like, it, like there's <laughs> nothing, there's no emotion going on, and it's just, like, why? I don't yeah. understand what's the point. I love, I, love, I love that it was that small moment for you, because I, I was thinking moments like where, like, Mufasa dies. Yeah, uh, I mean, And yeah. you have, like, like, in the original, you have that big, like, no! And it's this crazy, like, big, yeah. like, face that Simba's making. And in this movie, it's just, like, he's just kind of staring at him. And it's like, oh, I guess Mufasa's dead now. All right, let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> like, at least it's an ethos, dude. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just, like, um, it, it was it, it was such a small moment for me to, like, Realize, and it's kind of like the the little details, like the weird animal tick things they're doing. Where I was like, "Why? Why?" Like it's just like the smallest little thing that pulled me out of the movie. Where I was like, "I re- I just remembered what this looks like when he eats, he slurps down the worm out of this log, and it looks, you know, funny and it's silly, uh, it's expressive, and in this one, it's not." And yeah. uh, you really uh, bringing up those movies from the '90s where they would just straight up dub voices over live action animals, like actual real <laughs> animals. Yes. Is probably the best critique of this movie ever, of this version of Lion King, because that's <laughs> what I didn't realize I was thinking of. Because I was like, it's, it, it feels a lot like they're just dubbing in voices over, like, footage right. of lions and stuff, which I forgot is, like, a whole genre of movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, thanks for bringing that up, Mike. Yeah. This one forgotten corner of movies we don't talk about anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I loved Homeward Bound. It's so weird. Man, it's it's weird. Because, like, like we said, like, it's... 
basically the same as the, the other movie, just less visually interesting. Yeah. Um, and and with new voice actors, some some of which I think are doing a pretty good job. Some feel like they're kind of phoning it in. But it just feels like there's there's like opportunity here. Like if you're gonna remake The Lion King, which is already like such a culturally re- like everybody knows The Lion King. Everyone has seen The Lion King. There's like images from The Lion King that are seared into the pop culture memory. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of thing. Like everyone knows everything about The Lion King. Uh, so if you're gonna remake The Lion King, like, you should go in a completely different direction with it, theoretically, right? Like, that's, like, there's stuff you can do where, like, if I could, like, look at a scene and be like, oh, this is, like, an interesting new take for The Lion King. Let's say fresh new direction. I might be into that. Like, it, like they, they would have been better off remaking The Lion King 2 Simba's Pride or something, <laughs> you know, like, because <laughs> that's, because that's a movie that, like, people don't know as much, you know? Yeah. I think, I think your comparison to Gus Van Sant's Psycho is maybe the most, like, astute observation of any film critique of all time ever. Because I think that you're right. That was an experiment of, like, can you just shot for shot remake a movie and not do anything different? And it, you can't. It's what that movie told us. And right. then this is Gus Van Zandt's The Lion King. And confirms you can't just do that. <laughs> of course, not directed by Gus Van Zandt. No, this, no. this, one's, yes. this one's John Favreau, who also directed The Jungle Book. Yeah, um, and I like John Favreau. He's a great director. He's, he's a pretty good director. Yeah, he's, he's a director, actually. Now that I think about it, he's a director. Yeah. He also he also made Cowboys and Aliens, which is pretty rough, which is pretty rough. Uh, I, honestly, I think it's interesting to see like, his career trajectory because he's made some very good movies. Obviously, he made the first Iron Man. Like the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe would not exist without John Favreau. Like, which yeah. is a weird thing. Which is a weird thing to think about. Like he cast Robert Downey Jr. and everything. Um, right. But but like he made the original Iron Man. He uh, co-wrote and started Swingers, which was a movie that I loved uh, back in college. I haven't seen that in a really long time. Uh, you know, he made Elf and stuff like that. So. <laughs> Don't you dare besmirch Elf. I'm saying, I'm, I'm putting Elf in the good category. Okay, um, good. Uh, that's a, that's was... good. That's a good movie. Um, but then, you know, it, it was weird. He, um, after Iron Man 2 and Cowboys and Aliens, it felt like he was, like, burnt out on the big budget stuff. And then he made Chef, uh, right. which was, like, this, like, movie about this artist who is, um, like, or in, in that movie it's a chef, but it's obviously a metaphor for Favreau as an artist you know, having to work within the confines of this big corporation and then kind of strutting out and making his own thing independently. And, like, it, it almost seemed like Chef was going to be, like, this new direction for a career for Favreau where he's going to be, this, like, this independent filmmaker. And then immediately after that, he's on board with The Jungle Book and now The Lion King. And it's like, all right, he's he's fully into the Disney stuff now. Yep. Uh, he's also he's also showrunning The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, those checks um, keep cashing, so he's going to keep coming. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, I don't know. I, I think at least with The Jungle Book, like... You know, it's weird. Like, it's basically the same thing as this movie. It's all photorealistic characters, I believe. Like, were, yeah. was there, like, all basically photorealistic uh, versions of the animal and stuff. But I feel like that movie, because it had, like, the human character in it, like, there was there was a way for you to convey emotion with that character. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it did lean into, I mean, this movie does, too, a little bit. But if I remember right, like, it leans into some of the more cartoony stuff. Like, it, it fortunately cuts out most of the songs. But uh, with Shere Khan? No. The Python, which was... Oh, uh, Ka. Ka. Ka Like, it, it, like, leans into, like, the weird, like, hypnosis thing. Like, I think they do that whole scene, that whole sequence, right? Or, like... Uh, That sounds familiar. I mean, it's... I haven't seen it since it was in theaters. Um, Yeah, that's true. But I think they do the whole, like, you know, eyes thing, like, with the eyes changing colors. Like, they lean into it a little bit more. And this one, they just straight up, like, what if animals, though? Yeah, I mean, it, seems, it. it seems like the goal was to make it as if it looked like a nature documentary or something. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and, you know, that's a, an admirable goal, and it looks like a nature documentary. It just doesn't look like it's right for this movie, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know? Uh, like the, I, honestly, I think the best parts of the movie are when it, nobody's saying anything, and it's just like you're watching the animals kind of just 
graze in their natural habitat or whatever. And like mm-hmm. that to me was like, oh wow, I, I can really appreciate um, the artistry that went into creating these photorealistic animals. Uh, and then as soon as they open their mouths, it's like, all right, I can't, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Zazu starts trying to tell us about his brother that thought he was a woodpecker or cousin. And it's like, you lost me. You lost me. I'm done. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, and it's honestly, this is an issue I've had with most of the live action Disney remakes. I mean, you haven't seen most of them. No, I haven't. I I have seen almost all of them. I think I only missed uh, Maleficent and Cinderella, the Kenneth Branagh remake of Cinderella. I didn't even know that was a thing first. Oh, yeah. That that was before, like, the big Disney remake craze kind of kicked into high gear. That was in, like, 2015. And I will say the only one that the only one of these movies that's like really really good is the Peach Dragon remake. Everyone should go watch that. It's awesome. <laughs> You've um, said that for a long time, actually. I know it's really good. But you know, I, I think an issue that I've had with most of these Disney remakes is just like the two D hand drawn animation of that classic Disney those classic Disney movies. It's so expressive, it's so outlandish, and it's often doing things you simply can't accomplish in any other medium. And yeah. then you have these live action remakes which can't do that. <laughs> Um, right. But they're not changing the story to suit their new medium. They're just trying to redo the old thing, but make it less visually interesting. And I think Beauty, Beauty and the Beast is a really good example of that, because uh, th- that movie is not good. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I think The Lion King is probably a little bit better than The New Beauty and the Beast. Um, which, again, The New Beauty and the Beast has some fun stuff in it. Like, I enjoy some of these actors, and I, see, and I enjoy watching them cover songs from Beauty and the Beast and that kind of thing. But it also adds like a half hour of bullshit and a couple of original songs that aren't as good as the original of like of, of of the old ones, you know. And it's just it's adding a bunch of stuff that like doesn't need to be there. One of the great things about those old Disney movies too, they're all like ninety minutes long. They're like sometimes yeah. sh- sometimes shorter. I think Beauty and the Beast is, like eighty minutes. And you know, and, and so, so they get in and out pretty quick. And then these live action remakes just feel slower by comparison because they're adding like a half hour plus to the runtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and almost all of it is stuff like. Like, if you cut it out, you could have the original movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing that differentiates them between the, the original ones. They, like, have to leave them there. Like, you can't cut it out. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit longer. And then with this new Lion King, like, there's a couple of extra scenes in the movie and that kind of thing. You see, like, Nala escaping from, the like, the Pride Rock at in right. the middle of the night or whatever, which is not in the original movie. Um, but it's one of those things. Where, like, if you lost that scene, like, I wouldn't have, like, there's no new information about Nala that's gleaned in that scene, you know? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like everything. Everything you need to know is already established in the next scene when Nala explains to Simba what's happening. So it's like <laughs> you can just cut that out. Like, there's oh, no reason man. for that, and there's and there's a reason it's not in the original movie. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I there was a few moments, or not a few. There was a while towards the end of this movie where I was like, I didn't check my phone, but like I wanted to. Like I was <laughs> like, I could just reach in my pocket and look and see what time it is and see if I have yeah. any text messages and stuff. Uh, which is never a good sign. So yeah, I was kind of just like ready for it to be over, because like it's the, that's the thing. Once I once we got going, and I was like, oh, it's the same movie. I was kind of like, all right, like hurry up, yeah. <laughs> I can get this over. I've with. already I've already seen this movie. It's, yeah, I saw like, this twenty five years ago. Uh, somebody took this. Uh, this kind of made the rounds on Twitter uh, like a week or so ago. But uh, somebody took a thirty second clip that Disney released as like a promotion for this movie, um, which is like a bit of them singing Kuna Matata mm-hmm. uh, with Simba, Timon, and Pumbaa. Uh, and they placed it side by side with the original movie. Um, and so they sh- you see like the exact same sequence in the original movie and in this movie. And in that same 30 seconds, in the original movie, you get close-ups of Timon, and Pumbaa, and Simba as they're singing together. You get each of them diving into a pond. You see Simba swinging on a vine. You see them ride a wave out of the pond. Uh, Simba <laughs> shakes to dry off, and his mane gets all puffed out. And it's all in like this bright, vivid color. And then in this movie, that entire 30 seconds, they're walking through the jungle, 
wow. <laughs> singing Kuna Matata. And it's just like the, the vast difference in like the amount of things that's happening and like just trying to make things visually interesting. It's just, it's, it's night and day. Yeah. And you know, it's disappointing too, because I, I won't lie, like the, the, the right in the beginning when, when they sing, uh, I just can't wait to be king. Like when that started, I got like a little bit of chills. I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, and that that I feel like that song is the most interesting, like staging wise. Now that you say that, because like they're running through the watering hole, they're going between all the animals' legs, and like there's kind of yeah. like some stuff going on where it feels like we're in a musical, right? Like there's staging sure. to this song. Uh, and then I don't think any of the other ones ever come close to that. Um, <laughs> sure, I mean even that if you if you watch the original version of I Just Can't Wait to Be King, I mean there's like uh, animals on top of other animals and like elephants <laughs> on top of giraffes on top of like you know they, it goes all out it goes crazy right. Uh, but because this movie is so committed to being photorealistic and uh, having to take place in like a quote unquote real world. Um, it can't physically do that. If it did, it yeah. would look weird. Which is weird because it's about talking animals that sing. So like, right? Wh- like, why? Like, you would think you would lean harder into the cartoonish aspects of it. Yeah. Honestly, like, if they really were committed to doing something like this, they should have just taken the original animation, redubbed it with the new voice actors, and then just released that in the theaters. It would have still made bank. Yeah, <laughs> it would have still amazing. made a lot of money. Uh, it, w- it would have been the same movie. It would have been exactly what they just did. It's got a lot cheaper, basically. Right. Uh, I-, I will say, I-, I feel like we've been, you know, ragging on the movie a lot, and I think for good reason, but I, I will point out to Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen as being a highlight of the movie. Oh, my God. They are 100% the best thing about this movie to me. Uh, they're delightful, and I, I think the best parts are when they're kind of just allowed to riff off each other. Like, there's a lot of, like, improv going on between those two characters. Yeah. Uh, which I appreciated. And there's also a couple of funny bits. Uh, Keegan-Michael Key and Eric Andre play a couple of hyenas yeah. uh, in the movie, and they have a couple of funny bits. And, like, John Oliver, like you mentioned, is Zazu. Like, it seems like whenever they have, like, a funny actor and they just let him riff for a little while, that's when I was enjoying the movie the most. When they <laughs> do the cartoonish shit, it's good. Yeah, <laughs> that's all it is. Pretty much. Uh, yeah, and, and I did want to mention uh, Timon and Pumbaa. I, I have a question though, because you've recently watched it, uh, the original. Uh, yeah. That whole the, the, um, I don't remember what the actual name of the song is, but like when the lion sleeps tonight, the, that what's the, in the jungle is that what the, whatever the name of that oh, song yeah. is? Like in the jungle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, wh- what was that in this movie? Because <laughs> like they they play it as like a jump scare. <laughs> basically lull you to sleep while they're marching through the forest like through the thing and it's great and like it was cool like i like that because like all the animals kind of join in and it does this whole yeah. thing just for it to be jump like the jump scare when nala tries to eat them and i was like yeah. what is the point of this in the original movie because it can't be this <laughs> uh well in the original in the original they sing like a line from that song and that's it Oh, uh, it's not. It's not like a whole elaborate thing. Actually, this movie—that's one area of the movie where this one goes a little bit further with that. Yeah. Um, but in the original, it's just like Timon and Pumbaa are like walking down, and I, th- I think that is when Nala pounced on them. Oh, interesting. Um, but uh, like you just hear Timon, like Timon and Pumbaa are walking through the jungle, and you hear Timon going like in the jungle and that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then it, you know it lasts for like a second, and then Nala comes in and this movie it's like a full like minute and a half sequence with a bunch of animals joining in yeah uh, which which was kind of which was kind of delightful i did enjoy that yeah that was cute uh but there's also this weird thing where like this movie breaks the fourth wall a couple times which is weird like when they first say hakuna matata uh and and simba doesn't react they're like oh usually people clap when we say that (laughs) it's like wait what (laughs) yeah well they do do that in the original movie too oh do they really thing. yeah one of the big one of the big show-stopping like in Akuna Matata, when Pumbaa has his big uh, moment where he's like telling the story of how when he was a young warthog. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to sing the rest of this review. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> but he has this whole big thing, and right before he says the word "farted," 
uh, Timon stops him and he says, Pumbaa. Not in front of the kids. And Pumbaa like, looks at the camera and is like, oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> and then in this movie, uh, they actually kind of upend that. And they, ha- they actually have Pumbaa sing the word farted. And then he's shouting at Timon like, aren't you going to stop me? Yeah. Uh, and Timon's like, no, you disgust me. Let's go. Like, you know. And that was great. Like, I, I all like, all the Seth Rogen, Billy Eichner stuff, I thought was, like, really funny. And, like, they, they felt like a fresh update on Timon and Pumbaa as opposed to the rest of the movie. Um, where they were all just kind of reading the same lines that existed uh, yeah. 25 years ago. At least they were like kind of doing some new dialogue, doing some fresh stuff. Yeah. Uh, in, did, in addition to the lines that were there 25 years ago. They did have the Yeah, right. Um, they, they had the <laughs> other scene that it was actually I liked a lot, which was a funny update, but the original one was would have been way funnier in Is photorealism. The hula dance Yeah, thing. the hula dance. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where, he's, you know, you have to distract the hyenas and all that stuff. Right. It's not in this not in this version, but I like. I think it's very funny what they replace it with. Yes, where, I, I uh, agree. It's like Be Our Guest. Like, they're starting to sing Be Our Guest from uh, right. Beauty and <laughs> from the Beast. From Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, that was pretty great. I mean, A, I, like, I didn't really realize Billy Eichner could sing as well as he does. I was Seth Rogen, like, in a funny way. Uh, yeah, well, Seth Rogen wasn't really singing. He was just kind of speaking. Um, yeah. for most. But I, I really, again, I really enjoyed that. But I love that they brought in Be Our Guest. Um, yeah. Because that's, like, like, Disney movies used to be really self-referential. Like, they used to reference other movies all the time. That's true, um, yeah. You know, and I, I feel like they don't do that anymore. So it was, like, it was kind of cool to see, like, that kind of moment uh, back again. Because that was always one of my favorite things about Disney movies when I was a kid. I'd be, like, watching Aladdin and... Uh, the genie would pull out Sebastian the Crab from Little Mermaid at one point and yeah. that kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, it's, and it would play like a little bit of Under the Sea. And like, yeah, it was just cool, like self-referential Easter eggs that uh, they really don't do that much anymore. It's because so, there's yeah. no joy allowed, Mike. Exactly. It's all soulless CGI photorealistic animals. Uh, yeah. <laughs> for From now until the end of time. Um, <laughs> uh, I, w- w- overall, what do you think of the songs as an experience in this movie? Um like compared to the original, how do you think the songs played? Like just on an audio level. Um, I don't really remember what they are in the original one. Um, I mean, like obviously I know the songs, but I don't really like mm-hmm. know how they sound per- like okay. you know, on that kind of level. I mean, I think it's some of them are very good. Uh, I mean, uh, Donald Glover is great. Beyonce is great, obviously. Uh, so like that's epic. Like in the love tonight is pre- or in the love tonight. Jesus, can you feel the love tonight? Can you feel the uh, love tonight? Uh, it's well, pretty cool, like, just because they get to go, like, pretty crazy. They, uh, they get to do it with it, and it's cool to hear them together. I will say, uh, and I, I I realize this is a very stupid thing to get mad about. Tell me. Um, well, they set the song, Can You Feel the Love Tonight, during the daytime. They do. And then it's nighttime, and then it's daytime again. Like, it happens. Like, there's, like, a whole thing. It's was, stupid. It, I, I, feel, I feel like they were, it was daytime the whole time. Like, was it, was it nighttime for, like, a bit? Well, I think I, it's daytime, and then, like, for some reason it's dark, and then uh, the song ends and it's back to the daytime again. Like, there's no... Okay. <laughs> like, it makes no but, sense. But, like, the, like, the name of or the song twilight. is Can it's You twilight. Feel the Love... Right, well, that's... Like, the, the, the name of the song is Can You Feel the Love Tonight. Like, it has yeah. to take place at night, and there's multiple lyrics in the song. I mean, Timon sings, like, the sweet caress of twilight and that kind of thing. Yeah. But, like, the, this... It takes place entirely... It's, like, noon... Yeah, when it's they, definitely full daytime. It's like full daytime this entire time, and so any like romantic atmosphere that's supposed to be being built is just not. It's not there, yeah. um, and so that that whole sequence was just like the song itself was fine. Like I enjoyed Donald Glover and Beyonce, but like just ugh, man, like, it just felt like just <laughs> like you had one job. <laughs> yeah, just turn the lights off and you're good to go. It's uh, but but I, I think the songs overall like they're fine. They're not as good as the original uh, in pretty much every case. Um, but I did enjoy Kuna Matata a lot. Uh, and Circle of Life is pretty much exactly the same as it was in the, in the original. Too. Yeah, 
Um, I will say Be Prepared is the worst in this movie. Uh, I was going to... Is that even in the first one? The original? Oh, yeah, dude. The Be Prepared is, like, one of my favorite Disney songs. Wow. Um, first it's off, a, why are you so excited about Be Prepared? <laughs> it's a great Second song. Off, it's amazing. Hey, you should go back and rewatch Be Prepared in, in the original movie, because that's, like, an insane sequence. It's, you know, Scar's big Disney villain song, and he has the hyenas, and they're... Um, there's a lot of like Nazi imagery in there. Oh <laughs> it's no! Like, no, it's it's like meant to portray the hyenas as Nazis. They do like goose stepping and stuff. Oh my uh, god! It's it's insane. It's like an incredible sequence. Like it's one of those things you could only accomplish with the, the hand drawn two D animation. Yeah. Um, like if if they did that in this movie, it would look weird uh, <laughs> for sure. Um, but their solution to it was just having like this kind of half hearted, like half spoken version of Be Prepared, and it was yeah. just not. It was not that good. Uh, it was, in fact, I would say bad. <laughs> I, w- I do want to say, too, that uh, the hyenas feel basically useless in this uh, because they can't be that cartoonish, laughing, like, dumb, right. insane version that they are in the original. They're just, like, hyenas. It's like, yes, they're not interesting that, villains anymore. I, I think they're supposed to be, like, you know, more, uh, like, fearsome villains than they were in the original, but it doesn't really doesn't really come across, especially because you still have King Michael Key and Eric Andre just goofing around. Um, yeah. <laughs> Throughout the movie, I think my favorite unexplained change in the movie, though, um, the movie like this movie adds a bit to the end where it pits Nala against uh, the female hyena Shenzi, um, who is voiced yeah. by Florence Kasumba, as and it pits them as if they've been like lifelong nemesis, and this is the big showdown between them. And like, you know, they, there was that one moment in the elephant graveyard where they get chased by hyenas. Mm-hmm. After that, they never mention each other or like reference each other or like even share the screen at any point together yep uh and then that final battle is like oh it's nala against shenzi like the battle we've all been waiting for and it's like do they know each do they even know they're the same lion and hyena like (laughs) (laughs) that's one thing too i want to i want to uh complain about because we've been doing that a lot in this episode um with the photorealism animals all look the same like that's how animals work so it's like i don't know there's like eight female lions uh, which one's... I don't know which one's Nala. Yeah, one's Nala and one's Simba's mom, and they both look exactly the same. We do yeah. not know. <laughs> All the hyenas look exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and it's even like, you know, Scar is supposed to be this very distinctive lion. I guess he has the black mane, the big scar on his face, but he doesn't look that much different than, like, Mufasa. Uh, He's just got movie. a scar. That's all. He's just got a scar, and that's like, and it's a very thin scar. It's like, yeah. Uh, it's very weird, but, uh, yeah. Uh, and there's a couple of new songs in the soundtrack, too, by the way. There's a new Beyonce track called Spirit, which I thought was kind of forgettable, and then there's a new Elton John song uh, on the soundtrack, or, or on the credits, uh, called Never Too Late, which uh, it's actually pretty good. I, I kind, of, kind of enjoyed that one. Uh, but yeah, ultimately it just felt like, it just felt creatively bankrupt. Like one, <laughs> yeah. one of those things where it's just like, a lot of these Disney remakes do feel creatively bankrupt, but I feel like this one feels more so. Uh, and, I, and I've seen, you know, just this year alone, we had the remake of Dumbo, we had the remake of Aladdin, and we had the remake of The Lion King. And that's too much. It's too, it's too <laughs> many. Uh, especially because they're all not nearly as good as the original. I like guess one of those things. And there's stuff to be maybe excited for. The trailer from Mulan got people kind of excited because it looks like it's going to be very different from the original. Um, which I guess they're not going to do the songs and Mushu's not in it and that kind of thing. So yeah, that that could be interesting. And it looks like it's going to be like a uh, like a martial arts version of a Mulan movie, which could be cool. But you know, it's it's weird. Like most of these movies are live action. And thus are forced to make some changes, even if those changes are dumb, like Beauty and the Beast. Uh, <laughs> but at least they're like going for something. But yeah. like because this, but because this one's like entirely animated, they had no need to like do anything new with it. I guess even though the animation could have like freed them up to do whatever they wanted. But yeah, they just made the same movie a second time with a new voice cast, and, then, and that's and, it. And that's it. It just feels like lazy to me. Even though obviously a lot of work went into 
the creation of the visual effects and stuff like that for this movie. It just doesn't feel like anything. Like, why would you watch this when the original exists and is available for you to watch? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which maybe maybe the original is not available for you to watch because it's the Disney Vault or something. The Vault. <laughs> It'll be on Disney Vault. Plus. Come on. I'm sure it will be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but really, I think we're both just beating around the bush and that we're hoping for this version of Lion King one and a half. Well, yes. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, yeah. I mean, if you have Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen doing Lion King one and a half, I will see that movie three times. <laughs> That'd be um, amazing. It's Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen and Mahershala Ali as Blade. <laughs> <laughs> it's the future we need. <laughs> future millennials want. Yes, the the Blade Lion King crossover <laughs> that we've been, that we've been dying for. That's what it is. Uh, if they had added vampires to this Lion King movie, Mike, I think we might have had something here. I would have been in. You're singing <laughs> a different tune, and that tune would have been Mahershala. That's that's enough of this, I think. Yeah. All right. So anyway, yeah, we're not doing a spoiler section because we already kind of just talked about you know the various stuff that happens in the movie. So any any last thoughts about the Lion King, Mike? Before we wrap this up. Uh, I mean, I feel like we came down pretty hard on it, and I guess it deserves it. It's Disney, so fuck them. That's all. <laughs> I was gonna turn it, try to turn this around and be like, maybe don't feel, don't be so angry about it. But I, I'm gonna be. <laughs> I mean, just go I'm watch not, the original. You know, I'm not angry about it. It just feels boring. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, there's. There's not even a, mo- a modicum of risk involved in this movie. It's one of those no. things where it's like, okay, we're going to remake the original, and we're going to make all the money in the world, and it works, basically. Yep. Well, they <laughs> did, they did it again. Yeah, they did it again, uh, which is unfortunate, because I'm hope- I'm, I was kind of hopeful. Like, I didn't expect this to bomb at any capacity, but I was kind of hopeful it, wouldn't, it would underperform, at least, yeah. just to show like there's maybe a little bit of fatigue with, with the Disney remakes, or maybe to show that, like... You know, if you just remaking uh, remaking the movie isn't enough, you got to do something new with it. If people want to check it out, or like, you know, it's weird because like Aladdin, even like you know, it plays in the, in the nostalgia that you have for Aladdin, and it basically is a direct remake of the original. But it it changes some stuff, you know. <laughs> it yeah. has some things here. It adds a subplot with the genie, and like that's they're they're all dumb changes. Like they're all stupid. <laughs> but the, <laughs> but, but like at there. least you can, at least you can look at those and be like, all right, at least they tried to do a different thing with this movie. Uh, and then you look at the Lion King, and it's like they did not do any of that. They yeah. they tried to add maybe a little bit more Nala because Beyonce was uh, playing the role, and it's like you gotta gotta toss in more than the three lines that Nala has in the original <laughs> in the original movie. I get that, um, but yeah, it just feels like you know what, what was the point of all this? Didn't yeah. even mention that James Earl Jones also played Mufasa in this movie, right? Um, That's true. Which reprising his role from the original, which again, like he's iconic and it's an iconic performance, and I get it. But like, why not just watch the original? Like you, like it, yeah. you're already casting the same actor. <laughs> it would have been. I for a second, I won. I was like, are they just going to reuse the dialogue? Is it like a recasting, <laughs> but they're just going to use the audio from the original? They yeah. probably could have. They could. Like, yeah, why not? Save some money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So yeah, The Lion King, 2019. It's whatever. Don't go see it. Just watch the original. Just instead. go watch the original. Yeah. All right, Mike. Where can we find you online this week? You can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter and MD Film Blog on Letterboxd. And you can find me at M Smith Film Blog on Twitter and all of our podcasts and stuff over at uh, Rapture.press, where you can also find such uh, podcasts as our other podcast, The Complete Works. Uh, you can also find uh, Badass Biz Bitches and The Review Zoo, uh, which is basically like this podcast, um, but more focused on uh, 
film news and like comic book stuff and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike Depreciate. Uh, don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcast or any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, hit us up at Mike and Mike Go to the Movies at gmail.com. Our next episode of Mike and Mike will probably see us pulling one of our patented double reviews. Oh, boy. Uh, we'll see what happens. But Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood comes out, Mike, uh, this weekend. And I mm-hmm. am I'm very fucking excited for that. Uh, and then the weekend after that is the new Fast and Furious spinoff, Hobbs and Shaw. Um, oh, my God. So this might be the most insane episode of all time if we do both of these. Holy but, uh, shit. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think, at the very least, we're going to get into Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and if we can do the double review for that and Hobson Shaw, we'll aim for that. Uh, plus, keep an eye out for the next Complete Works, uh, which, on the last episode of, of the Complete Works, I mentioned that we were going to do uh, Vengeance, a Love Story. That was actually wrong. Um, How dare you? <laughs> I mixed up the timeline a little bit. There was actually a movie that came out before Vengeance of Love Story that we will be covering this coming week, and that is a movie called Inconceivable. Uh, a movie <laughs> whose a movie whose title I will only ever read as if I am Wallace Shawn in The Princess Pride. Yes, correct. <laughs> uh, Inconceivable star Nicholas Cage also stars Faye Dunaway and Gina Gershon. What uh, the fuck? And it came out in 2017, two years ago, and no one knows about it. So. I'm so scared. <laughs> uh, so we'll see how this goes. I'm pretty excited. Uh, yeah, so that's the next episode of Complete Works. And that is the end of this week's episode of Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. We'll see you on the other side. Mahershala. Mahershala. Marshala. Mike and Mike go to